Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, our producer engineer. I'm Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us at 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. CD, good morning. Good morning. It's good to have headphones that are working properly. I don't know what was going on. I couldn't hear anything. In this business, (laughs) it's always a good thing. It's never a good thing to have. Let me ask the question this way. Did you ever get on a football charter and your headphones didn't work? Because that would be terrible to go uh, on a flight with well, your headphones not working. This was pre the uh, Bluetooth. Up. Well, no, the Bluetooth headphones. So I'm sure I had a plug that would allow them to work. I, I don't think I, I may have gotten on a plane and forgotten them, mm-hmm. which forgetting your headphones on a plane or going to the gym are like some of the worst. It's just awful. The gym without headphones for me, I, I, I can't function. It's not a good workout. Gary, I got to tell you something. <laughs> I got to tell you something. And this is, yeah, it, it, those are first world problems, man. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> they are. Uh, I, will not, I will not disagree with you, sir. Hey, <laughs> uh, also first world problems. The Blues won the Stanley Cup. One of the great moments of my sports viewing life was the Blues winning the 2019 Stanley Cup. And that is done. Over. Finished. That Stanley Cup championship, that run, that five-year window, Mm -hmm. it's over now. And we, as a fan base, have to come to grips with that. Last night, the Blues lose in Winnipeg by a score of 4-2. to One thing about that team, CD, in 2018-19, and then before the pandemic, 2019-2020, they got a lead, and they didn't let that lead get away. They just smothered the opposition. Would you say that team or those teams had a little more grit to them a lot more uh, little little more mental toughness mm-hmm. a little more physical toughness as well just an ability to finish what you start knowledge experience one of the things that i always brought up when people compra- complain about bo meester and or petrangelo was at the highest level of the sport in a world championship or in an olympics if canada best team in the world had a one goal lead with two minutes left Bo Meester and Petrangelo were on the ice. Mm. The very best that the world had to offer. And Bo Meester and Petrangelo were the guys for Canada. I don't think we have a defenseman that would make T. 
Team Canada or Team USA right now. And that's very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about how many times, how many how many goals were given up a night. It, it's frustrating. And last night, 17th in empty net goal. Yeah. I mean, that is leading the NHL. It, that number in itself, A, it lets you know you're down and you got to take your goalie mm-hmm. out. And you're not scoring goals. You're getting you're giving up goals and, and essentially sealing the game for the opposition. It's it's frustrating to watch, Randy. And part of the frustration comes from the fact that the Blues, after pretty solid first period, which was scoreless, they are able to get the first goal. Through to Krug, but pass from side gets deflected by Lowry. Down the ice, it's going to go. Bennington comes out, plays it to Krug. Blues will get it ahead to Neighbors. Breakaway, shooting, he scores! Jake Neighbors coming on the bench on a line change. Caught the pass near the blue line. It was called on side, and he puts the Blues on top, one to nothing. A power play goal by Neighbors, 5.24 to go in the second period. So the Blues grab that one nothing lead, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. We aren't going to uh, have a, a team that got shut out. They've been shut out in their previous two games uh, by for a total of about two games, 120 minutes. So it's a one nothing Blues lead after a peer, uh, two periods, and then in the third, 2-0-2 in. The puck gets cleared out to center. Levo stick checks it, sends it open. Alexandrov shooting. He scores! Nikita Alexandrov snuck in behind the defense on a great feed by Josh Levo. He beats Hellebuck, and the Blues have a 2 nothing lead. 17.58 to go in the third period. And that was it for the good parts of the game for the Blues. So you've got a 2-0 lead in the third period. Josh Morrissey, he scores a skill goal, great goal for the the Jets. And then they add three more, Mark Scheidt from Ehlers and Connor at the 9.32 mark. And then just 21 seconds later, Morrissey again with another nice skill goal. And then Scheifele, and that was the empty netter. But just too many golden opportunities provided to the opposition. Yeah, they, the the second and third goals came. They were still announcing the goal that <laughs> yeah, had yeah. just been scored uh, when the third goal came. The goal that tied it up, I believe it was the goal that tied it up, was the, the terrible decision in the defensive zone by Falk. He just had a turnover. You know, Bennington isn't ready. The third goal, I think the, the puck went off of Shin's leg or his foot. Mm-hmm. You know, those are unlucky things, but those things happen when the puck is in your zone all the time, when you're not getting it out of the zone. And, and you know, you you know guys aren't trying to make mistakes. You know guys are, are doing the best that they can. But you got to feel bad for Jordan Bennington at times just because ask, it's, yeah. it's like you do so much to try to win games and then you have a toner, turnover in your own zone. Then you got a, a goal going off of your teammate's leg. There are so many things. And then when you look up, you got <laughs> three goals against you, and, and and it looks like you didn't perform well. But in actuality, you played pretty well, and you're just not getting the bounces or getting the luck that is required to help you win those games. His numbers this season are going to look terrible. But th- I'm speaking of Bennington here. But he's going to be the team's MVP. I mean, he, he's been their best player. Yeah. And we say that knowing that – it feels like every night there are four or five goals going in the net. And and you can say that with confidence that he's still playing extremely well. If I'm him, there has to be a level of frustration. I, I know he's not going to say it. He's not going to act out on it. I think you saw it earlier in the season where he was staring down the opposition, the opposing team's bench as he was skating mm, to, the, yeah. to, the, to his own bench. Um, you know, a few things here and there. It, 
And maybe Baruby and those guys said, hey, we can't do that. I know you're frustrated, but we got to play better. We got to do better. But he has to have a level of frustration and, and really a level of my brothers are kind of letting me down. And, Absolutely. And, and yeah, you don't want to have that as a teammate. So the Blues outshot for the game, 39-20. to 20. They've lost five in a row. They're heading into uh, the, the all-star break and they're by. They get 11 days off. The uh, head coach is Craig Baruby. Managed things in the third good enough. You know, we got the lead 2 nothing and got caught in on a on a play off of a faceoff, which, you know, we shouldn't be. Should have pulled out quicker. We didn't. They scored. Um, you know, in the second goal, we got the puck and we turned it over. And they made a good play. Third goal is a lucky goal. You know, goes off our guy now. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of plays. I got a question. Yeah. I, I wonder if we could find some cut-ups from any point during the season and find a third period. I think it would sound exactly the same. Mm-hmm. That is the that's a problem. I feel like we could just play. <laughs> we could take a clip from from at any point during the season and play it, and you wouldn't know if he was talking about last night or or <laughs> three point. weeks ago. That's a great that, point. That is that's that's. Awful, and it's frustrating mm-hmm. that it sounds it's like a repeat record. And I'm sure at some point, if I were Craig Ruby, I'd just hit play and say, Just listen to what I said last night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the and same thing. Kerry, Braden Shen, Braden Shen is kind of you want him on your team. Braden Shen's one of those guys, but you have a two nothing lead in the third period, and Shenner winds up a minus three. In the game. And granted, the, the one puck yeah. that we mentioned yeah. went off of him. You also get a minus three out of Tori Krug. And minus three is not the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. But Krug and Falk go 0-3 or, or minus three together. Those are your, like three of your key veteran guys yeah. that wind up minus three in a game in which you had a 2 nothing lead in the third period. At, what do you say? Now, I think people don't don't try to pay too much attention to plus minus in hockey, but if you're on the ice and goals are going in and you're 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 on the ice and you're not helping five on five, <laughs> yeah. you're not helping put goals into the opposition's net. It, it's frustrating. And Randy, like I said, you could play that clip at any yeah. point throughout this season, and it would sound the same. These guys are struggling, and I don't know what it is. I think they're part of it. If we ask them. If we say, are you thinking too much? That'd probably be part of it. I always go back to what Bob Plager told me, and he was a sage hockey man. And we would be standing at practice, and he would be lamenting a loss the night before. And he said, all you got to do is chip the puck off the boards, keep it to the outside, get it out of your zone. You got a 2 nothing lead in the third yeah. period. Off the boards, out of the zone. Off the boards, out of the zone. Let the clock be your coach. If you've got 10 minutes left... Just keep the puck away from your goalie. Yeah. And they just don't do a good job of that. And that, like I said, that turnover from, from Falk, he, I don't know if he tried to chip it up and over and it hit the the, the jet in the chest or in the mm-hmm. body. And now they got a goal, you know, going right back into the into Bennington. It's it, <laughs> the simple things that you can do, as you said, off the boards, chip it down, get it out of your zone. Those are simple tasks. Those are things that every hockey player, I'm sure, knows. Just like there are, are rules in football that every football player knows. You just have to do that in that moment. And if you're not able, capable of doing the right thing in the right moment, then you're not capable of having that much time on the ice. And That's just how it goes. Yeah, right, exactly. If you're a Blues player right now, too, and you're paying attention, like us, you got to feel bad for Jordan Bennington. Here is double nickel Colton Pareko. 
No, I think he he was obviously a big part of why we were in that game the whole whole game and uh, made some big saves early on, big saves throughout the game. Um, but obviously the penalty kill was was really good tonight, um, making some big kills early, big kills in the second. I think we had I don't know how many we had, maybe eight minutes or something, but good job I thought and. Uh, so Colton Preco, Colt 55, the rest of the team getting 11 days off here. And this is a team now, and we talked about it yesterday, but the reality of the situation is they aren't going to be a playoff team. They aren't going to make the playoffs. So now you're developing, you're getting ready for 23-24. Yeah, I mean, just the the way that this season has been going, you have more. You, you said this. I don't know if you remember when you said this. I, I asked you. This was maybe a month ago, maybe more. And I said, what did you think about that game? You said, I think they played the best they can play. I think that's the best that they can be. It was after a loss. And mm-hmm. you, you said, I think that's the best There's that they can be. It's a Philadelphia game. I think it, they lost 5-2. It, you said, I think they played the best they can play, and they still lost. And I kind of looked at you like you had four heads, like, Randy, no way. Yeah, yeah, because this game, this season has been a game of streaks. Just wins, losses. More more losses in in a row than it feels like than there have been wins in a row, and they are they they just are not a very good team collectively. I think they have good players in their own right, mm-hmm. but collectively as a unit, they are not a very good team. No, it was. I will say this. I, I'm always going to preface this statement, and I know it sounds like nails on a chalkboard. The chalkboards still exist. Okay, they don't yeah, exist. A lot of whiteboards now. No, it's all, yeah, it's all yeah. dry eracer. Dry eraser. Okay, so we gotta come up with another name the, the for a bus. Uh, Most people would know what sound, the right? chalkboard um, and nail sound. Um, like. How about uh, knife on a plate? Yeah. Knife on a plate. There you oh, go. That Good. One sucks. Okay, yeah. so anyway, this sounds like knife on a plate. I know to some of you, but the the fact of the matter with this team is that the, it w- w- Doug Armstrong is great. He's great at what he does, but he had a bad year. Mm-hmm. And this is not, you use the best term that we can use. It's not a good unit. They, they aren't. They, they are Collectively, they are not a good unit. Nope. And individually, I think they all are, are very good hockey players because obviously you have to be pretty good to make it to the NHL to sustain a career, uh, to make it there to sustain a career. But as a unit, as a group, they don't mesh. And for whatever reason, it's just... It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not going in the. You know, I, it reminds me. I have a. Uh, I had a hip surgery, and they were telling me about the the socket and how the ball and the joint is supposed to roll. And when you when you have this labrum issue, it doesn't move properly. That's why the pain. That's kind of what I see. It's just not moving properly. <laughs> they, they are. They are not moving in that joint correctly, and everyone is all over the place. They got to get some surgery, which means you got to <laughs> remove some pieces. Yeah, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. Other news, by the way, the Blues have been outscored 23-10 during this five-game losing streak. Our friend Nick Wagner of ESPN.com reporting that Niners quarterback Brock Purdy has a torn UCL. No surprise there. He wants to get a second opinion. The Niners say probably going to require surgery. They're saying six months, but a pitcher takes a year. Now, you don't throw as much or with the same sort of torque if you're a quarterback as opposed to a pitcher. But let's look at eight months. So February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Probably looking at Purdy coming back the earliest in October, I would think. So Trey Lance yeah. is kind of secretly smiling. I don't, I don't know if you know this, Randy, but they, they in Iowa at Iowa State they call October Brocktober. 
I so, wonder if they still will. <laughs> <laughs> that means he might be right on time if he shows up in October. What a shame for the kid. Yeah, it's un- it's unfortunate because he he was playing outstanding. Um, you get a you get a tough hit on him by Hassan Reddick. He te- he tears up tears up his elbow, misses the rest of the NFC Championship game. Had not lost a game up until that point. And really, I don't know if you can say he lost that game because he, he didn't really get to play. Get to play. Mm-hmm, right. He said it himself. He said, I couldn't throw the ball more than five or ten yards. And you knew that when he came back into the game. He was throwing – he threw a couple of screens, but you knew it just didn't have anything on it. Um, it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for the 49ers because now you got two quarterbacks coming off of injuries, coming off of surgeries. You got another quarterback that is a free agent that is not going to be there more than likely. It, what are they going to do? Because you you have a team yep. that is ready to win a championship. You're quarterback away. As are, as are many teams. Yeah. That's CD. I'm Randy Ruff and Running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, speaking of building a program, your St. Louis Cardinals have five players on the MLB Pipeline Top 100 list. How excited should we be about that? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. MLB.com's Prospect Pipeline has their new top 100 prospects out. And Kerry Davis, the Cardinals, have five of the top 100 prospects. Jordan Walker is rated as the number four prospect heading into 2023. Mason Wynn is at number 50, the shortstop, who has an ETA of 2024. Also having an ETA of 2024 is hard-throwing right-hander Tink Hentz, who a lot of people project to be a closer for a major league team in the future. The right-hander Gordon Graceffo is projected to be here this year, along with a guy we talked about a little bit yesterday, Alec Burleson. The Cardinals, because of the fact that they have not had a losing season and they make the playoffs most of the time, are a franchise that ordinarily drafts in the 20s or the late teens. For the Cardinals to be where they are in terms of the number of prospects that they have says a lot for what they have been able to put together in terms of scouting and development. Will all of these top 100 prospects work out? No. But this also is not the Cardinals who are doing these rankings. It's independent people who are doing the rankings. And you have to be excited about the prospects, at least, of what the Cardinals might be able to bring to the majors here in the next couple of years. Well, yeah, it it has to be exciting because you're looking at these names and you realize that on this list of 100 prospects, some of these guys are going to be superstars, right? I mean, you you, you just have to figure that – Three, four of these guys on this list throughout throughout all of baseball will be one of those transitional type of players that 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 you think about for for many years to come. And atop of that list is one Jordan Walker. He's yeah. number four, and he's been a name that we have been talking about. Many many Cardinal fans have been waiting and and just kind of with anticipation to see when he gets here, what he's able to do. the The expectations for this young man is is the next best right-handed hitter since Albert Pujols. That, that's kind of the the bar that has been set. Which no is pressure like, there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you how you go about your day <laughs> with that type of pressure on you, knowing coming in, into St. Louis <laughs> with that type of uh, mindset of, of that's who you could be. It, it's going to be exciting to see, you know, how well these guys do, how well they play, how well they mesh with the with the other players that are here, and when they do finally get here. I mean, we talk about Mason Wynn. He's a name that is 
been talked about and one of the reasons that maybe the Cardinals didn't necessarily feel necessarily feel the pressure to go after a shortstop in the market this offseason because you know he's on the way. That was one of the points that I, I wanted us to discuss here because I would have liked the Cardinals to have signed Trey Turner. Now, right. did I was I prepared knowing that the Cardinals are living within the confines of running a business and having a budget? Would I have wanted them to give the three hundred million dollars? Would I? Let me start with this. Would I have wanted them to do the Carlos Correa deal that Minnesota did? No. Would I have wanted them to do the Xander Bogarts deal? No. No. Uh, Trey Turner was the one guy mm-hmm. that I really liked, but. If I'm Bill DeWitt or John Mozeliak, here's my approach. Bill DeWitt would go into Tony LaRusa and say after games, and he doesn't have to now with his managers, although because his managers have been pretty easy going. Tony would get mad if the team lost. Mm-hmm. And Bill DeWitt would walk into his office and say, are you mad about this? And Tony would say, yeah. And he'd say, well, I am too. But I also have to be concerned with what's happening five years down the road. Right. You're concerned with today. Yeah. I, I get it. But I'm concerned with what's happening five years down the road. And what the Cardinals are looking at, whether it works or not, we won't know for five years. But the reason that they didn't get in and haven't gotten in on guys like Trey Turner or Manny Machado previously is because they think that next year they're going to have a guy that will do things similar to the way that Trey Turner does them. Mm -hmm. And he'll be younger and cheaper and last longer. Rather than having a 30-year-old guy, you're going to have a 20-year-old guy. And he's your guy. Mm -hmm. I've said this before. There's there's something about when you go out in free agent market and, and bring guys in, sometimes they do things differently in their in their respective teams where they're coming from. They they have a different mindset. And 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 I think Wilson Contreras is going to fit well here because mm-hmm. he has kind of looked up to Yachty his entire career and understood what that meant. He's played against the Cardinals multiple times within being in the division. But when you go out and get a, a, a Carlos Correa or – you know, a Trey Turner even, mm-hmm. those guys coming from different teams and different mindsets, I think it's best to have a guy, a younger guy, as you said, that is going to be 20 years old as opposed to 30, a guy that is going to be here for multiple years and not going to cost as much, but still hopefully be as good as those other guys are. Okay, one of the things that I told Kerry Davis when we started this show is that there are questions that Kerry can answer that I cannot. So I want to ask you this question. Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Tink Hentz are all black American Mm -hmm. players. They're all eventually going to be wearing the Cardinal uniform. That says to you or means to you what? It means a lot. I mean, because as I told you, I grew up watching the 80s Cardinals, and that was Vince Coleman. That was Willie McGee. That was Ozzie Smith. Those guys, to me, were what Cardinal baseball was. And it was fun to see those guys play baseball People that looked like me, that, mm-hmm. that you know, it excited me to watch them play in the game and to see these young men in the Cardinal uniform, hopefully, you know, here within the next year or so, playing well, having fun, and they're all around the same age. They're all young men coming up in the game in an organization together. I think that's absolutely, you know, I think it's amazing for them, but I think it's also amazing for, for young black kids in St. Louis to be able to watch them. That's where I was going with this, because... Since the 80s, the percentage of black American players in baseball, professional baseball, has dropped precipitously, yep. like from 25% to 7 or 8% yep. at its lowest point. I think in our particular community, having young black athletes 
see guys that look like them and say, I can do that. Yeah. And it, have it, this is, you use the key word, have it be fun. Yeah. I think it can change the, the complexion of our town. It, we talked about when the rules started to be implemented that the, the changing of the basis sizes mm-hmm. and the you know the distance and how much the the elimination of the shift how much more athleticism could potentially come back into baseball because guys are one of the reasons that 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 young black kids started playing football and basketball was because baseball it slowed down it, it, it took mm-hmm. three hours you would sit in the outfield for you know an entire half inning and that could be 20 minutes and not get a ball hit in your direction and that is not exciting for kids regardless of your color that could be not exciting for children in general so you know I think the the addition of all of those things that baseball is doing the pitch timer you know it's going to be a much more faster paced game I think you're going to see more athleticism and there's going to be a premium on athletes actually playing this sport more than there has been in the past few years. It's the Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis I'm Randy Carricker. it is the opening drive on 101 ESPN coming up I'm not going to say that. I, I, I was going to say something, but I'm not. The Blues, I, the, the Blues are struggling. The Blues are struggling, to put it kindly. Who's to blame? It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Right now, we don't, we're not good. Until more guys step up and play better and we start pulling together as a team, it won't change. Yeah, it's not going to change for your St. Louis Blues at the moment. After the 4-2 loss last night in Winnipeg, the Blues have 49 points. The last wildcard team in the NHL's Western Conference, Colorado, has 57. So the Blues are, at the moment, eight points behind and they're, well, they're 11 points ahead of Arizona for the uh, third to the bottom. A really good spot for a draft choice. Now, Kerry Davis, our friend, Jeremy Rutherford, nicest guy in the world, Blues insider from The Athletic, has a Blues fan survey up. And I want to have you and I answer some questions. Uh, JR's first question is, who's most to blame for the Blues drop-off this season? Is it Doug Armstrong? Is it Coach Craig Berube and his staff? Or is it the players? Um, well, I think I think players because there are more. And, and you know, you, you can you can blame you know ownership, you can blame GM, you can blame coaches, but at the end of the day, the players are the ones that go out there on the ice every day. Doug Armstrong refers to what he does as a jigsaw puzzle. And the puzzle pieces just don't fit together this mm-hmm. year. So, again, I just I, I think Army, he built a defective puzzle this year. So, I, I think Army just, he misread this situation. So, I'm going to put this one on Doug Armstrong. You, Next one. You, you're going to start at the top. I am. Okay. Yeah. And. Do I have full confidence that he's going to be able to change things for next year? I have full confidence. Okay. This is a guy that traded Yuri Letera for Braden Shen. I have full confidence that he'll be able to pull off some sort of magic and make things better next year. Okay. And last time the Blues made the playoffs, 2018. Missed the playoffs. Missed the playoffs. Last time the Blues missed, 2018, won the Cup in 19. All right. Okay, what aspect of Armstrong's work has had the biggest impact on the lack of success? The construction of this specific team, the lengthy contract terms given to special or several veteran players, or paying young players too much too soon? I'm not opposed to paying young players. I think when you miss on a contract or when at the end of a contract when guys aren't performing 
at the level you need them to, it's hard to get out of that contract. And it's hard to, to I guess, right the ship when things are, are going in the wrong direction. So I, I would say those contracts that have been given out where people aren't performing to the level that you need them to or, or expect them to. If we're going to dig down to the root of the problem, the reason that the construction of this specific team is poor is because of the lengthy contracts given out to those veteran yeah. players. Yeah. So that's that's the root of the problem. Okay, which player's current contract do you most wish the Blues could take back? And he's got a large list here. Bennington, Falk, Krug, Kairou, Letty, Pareko, Scandella, Schenner, Thomas, or someone else? Well, Scandella isn't playing. So I, mm-hmm. I, I would say you start there. Do, do, yeah, it's been a bad contract now for a couple of years. But if we look at the, the it, long term here. It's hard for me to, I mean, I, I don't want to jump on, I mean, Colin Pareko's a big man, but mm-hmm. I think if 50,000 people are piling on him, I think he's going to, you know, succumb to that pressure at some point. I think that is the defenseman as a whole. Mm-hmm. I won't point out one in particular. I think the defenseman as a whole. There have been injuries, obviously, but their play has been less than what is needed to be successful. Tori Krug is a really good player, but the Blues signed him ostensibly, even though they said he wasn't the replacement for Alex Petrangelo. They signed him on the day they said Alex Petrangelo basically isn't going to come back. When Mm -hmm. When they signed Krug, they told us through their actions that Petrangelo wasn't going to come back. I think if I had to give one back... And I could go back in in time. A lot of things I'd do, CD, if I could go back in time. But one of them would be to not sign Tory Krug. That's the one for you. Mm-hmm. Colin Pareko not doesn't bother you as it, much. It bothers me, but I do think that the Blues would have an opportunity to have a better Colton Pareko if it was if they had spent the money on Krug elsewhere mm-hmm. on a guy that better matched Colton Pareko's skill set, well, like, it, like it, Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> well, they weren't going to give him the, the no move, and I don't blame them for giving him the no move. But the, the other problem was when they lost Petro, they didn't know they were going to lose uh, Jay Bomeister, and th- that kind of hurt too. Well, uh, for, I guess they did. No, I'm sorry. That was after the COVID. I, I, hear, I hear people often say that, you know, Pareko has not played well because he's not paired with the right person. Mm-hmm. But But if you are... A great player. If you're a number one. If you are a number one, the person next to you is the you make them better, and and not the other way around. And and so, if you're paid like a number one, then you should be a number one. Yeah. And so it, it so when people are oh, well, he doesn't have this pairing, he's not doing as well. That that's a that's a nonsense statement for me. Uh, it doesn't. One hundred percent. It it drives me crazy that the Blues keep having to go out and find that guy to play because with you Colton. paid him to be that right. guy. But six and a half a year for him, six and a half a year for Falk, six and a half a year for Krug. So it's kind of six of one, half to six and a half of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> uh, okay, which player who recently left has been missed the most? Tyler Bozak, Billy Huso, David Perron, Petro, Sunquist, or someone else. We and talk like, about uh, David Perron a lot because of the heart and soul mm-hmm. of the team. And I think that's probably what's missing right now. The grit? Yeah, just the 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 grit. I mean, just someone that is willing to bite bite down and not mm-hmm. not give or or succumb to to what's going on in front of them. Those guys are important. Those guys are 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 
can 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 change the dynamic of what your team is, even if they're not scoring goals or making big plays. Just their presence is is something that can help you win games because they they have a a demeanor they have something about them that I don't you know what I could let everybody else in this building down I could let the coaches that I'm not going to let him down mm-hmm. because he means too much to us and I I don't want to do that and Kerry I look at it this way too because I agree with you and I didn't think I would during the offseason so hindsight's 2020 but the blues made a choice between Nick Letty and David Perron and I said well I'd take Letty because I thought that he was going to make Pareko what we think Pareko will be. I thought he was the guy to pair with Pareko. They made the choice to sign Nick Letty and let David Perron walk. As it turns out, they should have kept David Perron because he was, overused sports term, the heart and soul of that room. He 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 was the guy that was the conscience of that room. And a lot of the things that are happening now, he would make a great effort to not let happen. You got to have guys on your team that are are <laughs> going to punch people in the face, hit people in the mouth, not be afraid to uh to to be physical. And and I think this team is just lacking that yeah. as a whole. Okay. I, I I would say Ryan Reeves as well. Bring bring me Well, if we can go way back Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon. Someone like Big Rig. Yeah, bring, yeah. bring big guys back that that like yeah. running into people. This team is full of guys that are some are big, some are small, but nobody likes to hit it all. Huh, <laughs> You're a poet and don't know it. Okay, uh, scale of one to five. What's your confidence level in Armstrong? My confidence level is still at a five. I, I'll say five. I, I, four and a half. Four, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Because this, if you felt, I don't know what what was going through the process of constructing this team in this manner. Because this team has... It's 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 a failed project, and I, I you hate to say that at this point because you've had injuries, you've had guys, but it that, that one thing that you cannot fake, Randy, is passion, passion, effort. You can't fake it. You can be good. You can be a good player, but you can't fake effort because effort is something that every single night you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you're not going to win. And that brings us to JR's next question at The Athletic. What's the number one thing Barubi should do differently? Is it have players better prepared, bench players who don't deserve to play, nothing, it's a bad roster, or nothing but changes need to be made to his staff and they clearly miss Jim Montgomery? Well, Jim Montgomery's coaching the team now with the best record in hockey. He was a pretty good assistant. I don't know if you replace a guy that has coached the team to the best record in hockey. You just don't go out and find an assistant with the ability to be the head coach of the team with the best record in hockey. Blues were able to take advantage of a situation because Jim Montgomery had personal issues in Dallas. They resurrected him, Mm -hmm. and they knew when they hired him that if they did resurrect him, he was going to go somewhere and be a great head coach, and he's one of the best in the business. I think the thing that this team – I've said this before. One of my coaches told me in the real world, repeat offenders get get sent to prison. In the sports world, you get sent to the bench or you get fired. Mm -hmm. And there is a – they are repeating the same thing. As I said earlier, if you wanted to play a cut from Baruby from any point in this season, mm-hmm. it would sound exactly the same, which means that the players are doing the exact same thing night in and night out. At some point, no matter how much they're being paid, they got to find a way to not get that much time on the ice if they're not performing at the level that they should be. And I think the problem is with all the injuries – they just don't have the manpower to bench guys. So I would say nothing. It's a bad roster. My, the fact that they don't have enough players to replace those guys that are not performing at a good level with 
somebody who is ambulatory, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a real problem. Bad roster. Okay, confidence level in Baruby, I, I go five there, too. I love Baruby. I do, too. I, I think he's uh, he's <laughs> playing with the cards that he's been dealt, and he's trying to plug and, and push guys to do to do things that they are either unwilling to do or incapable of doing. And at some point, if you're unwilling to do it or incapable, then you're going to find yourself in somewhere in, in a different place. Jair's pretty much got the whole roster here. The, which player has been the biggest underachiever this season? Relative, uh, this isn't the way he worded it, but I'm going to word it this way. Relative to what I know the player is capable of, what player has been the biggest underachiever? Because he was struggling even before he got hurt. I think it's Ryan O'Reilly. I think it's Vladdy. I think mm-hmm. the two well, guys had thirty-four <laughs> goals last year. I think the two guys that that we thought were going to be you know main cogs in this offense, highly have, motivated too, highly motivated, have not. Uh, but I, as I said, I think there's a you know a little bit of tension. There was it seemed to be earlier in the season tension uh, between you know the older guys and the younger guys. That's just from the outside perspective looking in, knowing sports, knowing how contracts work, and knowing how. When it's no longer your team and you got to turn it over to a new guy, but you're still there, I think there was a little bit of friction there. I think that those two guys that we just mentioned are the ones that are struggling the most from it. All right, quick lightning round because uh, there are a lot of answers here, and I think you and I agree on this one. Who's been the team MVP this season? Bennington. No doubt about it. Are you ready to give up on the season? Eh. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm not a quitter, Randy. I, I, I told you, when, I'm not going to throw in the damn towel. I, 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 but a couple more, couple more games, a couple more stretches like that. Two more, two more, three to four game losing streaks, and I'm, I'm check me out. And I, I just this latest stretch has convinced me to, to give up on the season. Which of the following free agents should the Blues trade uh, before the deadline? Achari, Barbashev, Grice, Mikola, O'Reilly, Tarasenko. He doesn't list all of the above. I will go with all of the above. Wow. Think so. Yep. Achari, Barbashev, Grice, Mikola, O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. I am. I develop such disdain for allowing a valuable asset to walk out the door for nothing. nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I understand that, especially when you are maybe headed nowhere for this season. Yeah. And uh, one last thing. Which of these paths would you like to see the organization take? Stay the course. The team is close. Soft retool to stay competitive. Tank the rest of the season to maximize draft position. Or a hard rebuild. Take a step back for three to five years. Well, they shouldn't and won't take a step back for three to five years. But I think you can do the two things at once. You can have a competitive rebuild where you do a soft retool and stay competitive, but this year, tank the rest of this season by trading all of those guys Mm -hmm. and try to get draft position. And just play with the younger guys. Yeah. And see how it goes. Try to get them better. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and you can check out and vote on JR's poll at The Athletic. Coming up, Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It 
want to say something, put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, The Opening Drive, 101 ESPN. By the way, The Opening Drive is a product of, and uh, Carrie's fiance made us a beautiful Yeti cup with The Opening Drive. She made a logo for us. Mm-hmm. It's suspiciously like the uh, the yeah, Morning After bit. logo, but I love it. <laughs> and it's got the football with it, but it, the football opening drive and golf opening drive. There you go. So, And I have the uh, that Yeti with me this morning. It's fantastic. So thank you. that was my Christmas gift. Thank yes. you, sir. No problem. Uh, so anyway... What was I going to say about the opening drive? I don't even remember. We're here for <laughs> we're, we're we're here for you. The the text line is open three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. All right, CD. The uh, our, our IT guy Craig Rutledge is great. Okay, and they're they're upgrading now around our office for some reason. They're putting something in a cloud or something like that. And yesterday, <laughs> he took care of my computer. You guys were sitting there. And uh-huh. my phone. You guys were sitting there. And he said, hey, in a half hour, corporate's going to get your information. They're going to knock your uh, your email from your work off of your phone. You're going to have to start an, a new phone email program, platform. And I don't have work email right now on my phone. Take it or leave it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ah, take that. Uh, Randy, I honestly just learned how to work this email system. <laughs> if you if you all could understand the sheer panic that went through me I when they you. said, "Oh, we're changing it." Wait, what? What are you doing? I, I just learned this. I don't I don't know what's going on. What? I don't know how to put it on my phone. I don't I don't even use it on the computer because I have no clue how that even works. It's not normal, and so. When he said he was changing it, he sat there with you for about fifteen minutes, yeah. and he's like, "I'll get to you guys tomorrow." Ah, okay, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know. So gonna, then, uh, just to, you guys, I figured it out myself, old man. So. Oh yeah, clearly. <laughs> and so, just to take you a little bit behind the curtain here, we go in and do a show or a show meeting after our show every morning, and uh, and Craig strolls in and he says, "Okay, I need you to put this on your computer." And I said, "So this isn't going to mess around with my porn surfing, is it?" <laughs> And he said, oh, no, no, not at all. And then he actually shows me documents that show, like, like I'm serious that they won't spy on me. It was unbelievable. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Randy, you all know that I am a Warriors fanatic. I love the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, to me, is... You know, one of the best players to play the game. Oh, you go back Chains to the Rick Berry days, yeah, yeah, Larry yeah. Hughes. Well, actually, run, DM, run DMC, yeah. baby. The, the run DMC, yeah. but the 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 Baron Davis Golden oh, okay. State Warriors, uh-huh. that run that they had, uh, we believe I- uh, is that what they were? I hated the Mavericks mm-hmm. back then. And that so, was, yeah, I love I, that. The, the Baron Davis Warriors is how I, 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 I first started yeah. watching the Warriors. Because that's like, that's when I started watching basketball. Yeah, like, that was heavy. Those guys were, Ooh, were yeah. pretty good. But Golden State is sitting at the fifth seed right now. Take mm-hmm. it or leave it. They have a chance to get into the top two and make this run into the playoffs where everyone thought that this was going to be a down year for them. Carrie, I'm going to take this, and I am going to make an addendum okay. to this. I'm just going to do a, a, a bounce back, take it or leave it. 
Steve Kerr is the most underrated coach in all of sports because he has so much talent, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. I'll take that. I mean, to be able to do this year in and year out at the level that he has. Different coaching staffs. Because guys end up getting jobs as head coaches Mm -hmm. that leave from from under him. It is... uh, it's pretty awesome and pretty cool to watch him go through this and, and be the the leader of this franchise in the way that, they, that he has been and, and getting this team going in the right direction. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it. If Mason Wynn isn't a top 10 prospect this year, he will be next year. Yeah, I'll take that. What ah. do we say we have him uh, now? I think he's 50. Top, yeah, number 50 overall. Yeah, I'll take that. And I, I think there's a chance, guys, that by... The end of 2023, he's not a prospect anymore. You think he's up? Yes. I think there's a really good chance. Mo said during this offseason that the two guys that made the biggest jump in the minors last offseason were Graceffo and Wynn. Mm-hmm. And if Wynn has the kind of first half of a year that he had all year last year, I could see him winding up here. So you could be looking at a playoff lineup that has Burleson, Walker, and Wynn? Conceivably. And and a pitching staff that has Graceffo. Hmm. Okay. I see. I, I mess that with for me is how you're supposed to do it. Yep. You got to bring the young guys up while the older guys are still playing well. Gary, I say this because it was true. 2013 playoffs, standing in the dugout, the Dodgers dugout, Stan Caston is holding a session with the media. And they, they had just taken over. The ownership had just taken over and they were spending a ton of money. And somebody asked him, five years down the road, what do you envision this organization look like? looking like? And with his left arm, points over to the Cardinal dugout, and he said, they're the model. Yeah. They're the model. Mm-hmm. And what the Dodgers do, and the Dodgers, by the way, have seven top 100 prospects. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have five, Dodgers have seven. They really have taken the Cardinal model and spent a lot more money because they have a lot more right. money. But they've taken the Cardinal model and taken it to another level, and that's why the Dodgers are good every year. Yep. And we're going to get into this a little later, but you look at that seven for the Dodgers. I think only the or- Orioles have eight, and that's just mm-hmm. those two are outsized. But look at those. Look at the comparison between the last 10 years and win counts yeah. between those two organizations and both them being so high and having such a glut on the list. Right. Take it or leave it. It's pretty much a done deal. Brady to San Francisco. Oh, I like the idea. I'm Him take being it. a Bay Area guy. Mm-hmm. Grew up the, watching the 49ers. Joe Montana. Joe, uh, them them needing a quarterback and maybe only needing one for one year. Mm-hmm. I think that would be – I mean, I don't think he goes back to Tampa. I like it. I'll take it. Let me see. So Manning went to the Broncos, mm-hmm. and they unretired number 18. Frank Trapuca was number 18. Unretired. John Brody, who was the 49ers quarterback from 1957 to 1973, has his number 12 retired by the Niners. Do the Niners unretire number 12 for that year like the Broncos did for Peyton Manning? I say yes. I take it. Yeah, take it. Of course. Want to know the other retired numbers? Yes. San Francisco. Joe Montana. Steve Young. Joe Perry, number 34. Jimmy Johnson, not the coach, the cornerback. Uh, number 37. Hugh McElhaney, one of the great running backs in the 50s, was number 39. Ronnie Lott. Mm-hmm. Who, what number was Ronnie Lott? 42. There you go. Thank you. Uh, 70 was Charlie Kruger, a defensive lineman in the 50s and 60s. Leo Nominelli, you know the name, 1950 to 1963, uh, defensive tackle. Also, offensive tackle Bob St. Clair is 79. Wide receiver Jerry Rice's number... 80. 80. There you go. And Dwight Clark's number 87. 
All of those no, are no, no 81. No 81 for Terrell. And no 94 for Charles, Charles Haley. Haley. Interesting. That is interesting. Ooh, Hall of Famer. And, and 97 was uh, Brian, Brian Young. Young. Brian Young. And he, is he in the Hall of Fame? He just he got into the Hall of Fame. So his, his number's not retired. I, I have a feeling that'll, have, that'll yeah. come soon. I was a 49ers fan, Randy. I, I, Tom Me Rathman and, and Roger Craig, you know, those were my guys. I think, <laughs> think Brian Young's the first football player I ever hated. Really? Because he would, he would rip the Rams apart. Eh, good for him. Limb from limb. He was a <laughs> monster. I hated him. Okay. We got time for one more. Take it or leave it. The Blues will trade a non-pending free agent at the deadline. I like this. I'm going to leave it simply because I don't think anybody who is not a UFA holds enough value for somebody to give up a quality asset for that player. And and who, I mean... Tory Krug. That's the guy everybody's thinking of. I I don't think that he's movable at the moment. Just because of his play? Play and contract. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for tuning in and texting in to Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, while the Kelsey's play in the Super Bowl and with Bobby Hall passing away yesterday at the age of 84, what's the best family combo ever in sports? We want your texts. Best family combo, father and sons, father and son, brother and brother, sister and sister. Best family combo ever in sports. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. During the show yesterday that NHL great and Brett Hall's father, Bobby Hall, passed away at the age of 84. One of the all-time greats. And no question that Brett and Bobby Hall are the best goal-scoring family combo in the history of the National Hockey League. That's with all due respect to Wayne and Keith Gretzky. But uh, we're going to give the edge by a nod here to Brett or Bobby over Keith. We also, yesterday... Uh, the day before, got the Kelsey brothers in the Super Bowl, who are both potential Hall of Famers. As a matter of fact, it's a likelihood that both Travis and Jason Kelsey wind up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that got us to thinking, okay, what's the best family combo ever to participate in sports? And the first group that came to my mind, and I think it comes to pretty much everybody's mind early on in this process, as you do this exercise, is Archie Payton and Eli Manning. From a football perspective, the numbers are hard to argue Mm -hmm. with the Manning family. You've got two guys that are in the top six, I believe, in all-time passing yards and touchdowns in NFL history. Yeah, those two names are are top of the list. Uh, I had two names that, that came to my mind, and that would be Venus and Serena. Mm-hmm. And just their dominance in their sports, Serena specifically, probably, you know, on the list of greatest of all time, regardless of, of sport, male, female, one of the best to ever do it. And and when you we were comparing in every list, you're going to have one person that is the best of the family right. of, the, of all the family members. So at Brett and Bobby, you, you got uh, Venus and Serena, you got Eli and Peyton. So the question is, is the second family member greater than the other second family member and for me I would say Venus would be greater than Eli 
and and that would be how you decipher who which team would win that that matchup. I think that's fair because I think we can if we make a strong argument just based on numbers, we could make Eli eh, top dozen all time. He's 10th all-time in passing yards. He's 10th all-time in passing touchdowns. Now, he's also very high up the list in interceptions. But Eli was really good. My point here is that we can make a very strong argument that while Serena is the GOAT, you've got Martina Navratilova, you've got... uh, Well, Venus... I think Venus is top five. Mm -hmm. I, I, I... I'm just trying to think. Chrissy Everett, obviously, w- would be up there. In terms of the numbers, uh, y- you've got some others. I'm going to put Maria Sharapova on the list for obvious reasons. So, uh, but but Venus is top five. What reasons, Randy? Yeah. Her, her, her play was outstanding. Yeah, yeah that's anyway. why. That's why, Carrie. That's, that's exactly it. Okay, you, you make a strong case for TJ and J.J. Watt. They are because defensive MVPs mm-hmm, of the league both have have won defensive MVPs. Both will be Hall of Fame players when they're done playing. Um, and so again, which one is 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 the better of the two? Is TJ or is JJ better? I, I, maybe you say JJ because he won three defensive MVPs in a row. Was, were mm-hmm. they in a row or were they? I think three they out of four role. years. Either way, he's won three. TJ has won one. Should have had two, but won one. Um, and so is TJ considered better than Eli or Venus or um, Bobby Bonds in this conversation? It, th- that's where you, you start to differ- differentiate who is the better team, who is the better duo or the better trio, depending on the, the, the family. And Bobby Bonds was an underrated player historically. Barry, mm-hmm. whether you want to take the performance-enhancing drug suspicions out of it or not, the fact of the net matter is is that the ball went over the fence. A lot of right? times. Right. So, yeah. uh, 762 times. So, yeah. Bobby Bonds was a career 268 hitter. He had 332 home runs. He had a career OPS of 824. I mean, he was a really good hitter. Uh, he also had stolen base years of 44, 43, 41, 41, 43. Had 461 stolen bases during his career. Bobby Bonds was a great, great player. Borderline Hall of Fame guy. So when we do that comparison, how good was the number two guy? Because mm-hmm. Barry, we could argue, was one of the best, if not the best no ever. Question. Bobby is probably better than most baseball number twos. So is... Better than Ken Griffey Sr. That's what I was going to ask. I was better say- than Ken Griffey King Griffey Senior. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I was just gonna. I was just gonna try to like get down to like a couple father son combos, and I was gonna say, are you are you putting Barry and Bobby above the Griffies, and are you putting them above different sports? But are you putting the Bonds above the Hulls? Oh, that's hard to do. It is. That, wh- here's a. What about above the Mannings with Archie and and Peyton? If you just went that route, I think Archie. Would not he'd be the weak link there? Okay, so so then Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonds would be are they are they better than the Hulls? We have a great argument here. I mean, because Hully Brett, we call him Hully because he's 
our guy, he's fifth all time with 741 goals. His dad scored more than 600. He scored 610. He's 18th all time. You've got the number five all time goal scorer and the number 18 all time goal scorer of the thousands of players that have played in the National Hockey League. And both Hall of Famers. Both Hall of Famers. So then you kind of go that route because if both are Hall of Famers, then they have to be in their respective sports. Yeah. Because Ken Griffey Sr. and, and Bobby Bonds uh, are not. Exactly. People, uh, we got a text in for the Earnhardts. Dale Earnhardt Sr. was great. Dale Earnhardt Jr., extraordinarily, extraordinarily popular, overrated. Yeah. All right? He was the most yeah. popular guy. Because yeah, he was yeah. extremely popular. Okay, Dell, Steph, and Seth Curry. Dell and uh, Seth don't bring enough to the table. No, no. All right? Clay, Clay Jr., and Bruce Matthews. That, that, Bruce is a Hall of Famer, and Clay, Clay Jr. should be. He should be. Uh, I don't know at what point he will be, uh, but he should be. What about Rondé? Rondé and missing? Tiki. Wasn't there another one in the in Bruce's generation before? Uh, didn't he, I thought there was another Matthews that we're missing? It was Clay and Clay Jr. Okay, I thought I was missing. I thought we were missing. We one. got Jake, who's with the Falcons. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, he didn't come. <laughs> Sorry, all due respect. <laughs> I thought they should have taken you ahead of Greg Robinson. So, all due respect. We we left one out and, and locally. Okay. And by the they, way, Tiki and Rondé, great call. Rondé's going to go to the Rondé, Hall of Fame. Yep, he should be. But Tiki's Tiki, so we can't put him in. <laughs> he got Tiki. <laughs> Michael and Leon Spinks. See, the, two local ones. Yeah, Michael and Leon Spinks both were the champions. Both were, were the champions of the world. I think that while Michael had a great sustained career, Leon's career was basically a year, and he he was champion because of one fight. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we can put him in an all time greats category. Okay. But Michael, Fair. Michael lost one, one, one fight to arguably the greatest to ever. Did you see and that fight? I, I've seen video of it. <laughs> it, 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 it. So if I'm not mistaken, Michael beat um, uh, Larry Holmes, correct? He did. And so Mike Tyson was because Larry Holmes was extremely was an older gentleman at that time mm-hmm. and and passed his prime and he kind of took it to Larry Holmes and Mike Tyson did not take. Uh, liking to that at all no and, no and was very bothered that that mr spinks uh did did his kind of his hero in that manner 91 seconds <laughs> and the fight was really over after 15 91 seconds i spent a lot of money they used to it do those money the people were so went, mad went to the fox theater <laughs> had to pay to get into the fox theater okay one other one st louisans Dick and Pete Weber. Someone just from the A15 texted that in. Yeah, I mean, you've got two Hall of Fame bowlers. Yeah. Arguably two of the top 10 of all time. I think that's another one that you have to put on the list. But I think we've found our guys. I think it's the Hulls. It, it probably is. I mean, Hall, both Hall of Famers. Um, I don't know. The only ones that you can compare, I mean, maybe Eli. I think Eli does eventually get in, but I don't think. In comparison to Bobby Hall, he's he's of that stature. You don't have a, a, a name that is on that level. And so, no. other than Venus and Serena. And those are the two that I think could possibly challenge that. But mm-hmm. all in all. Okay, here we're mm-hmm. going to do something. We have the BLIS. Michelle Smallman coined this term. The, uh, the best listeners in sports. Mm-hmm. This text comes in from the 314. You guys need to take this segment and make a March Madness style bracket. Let's do it. That would it. be great. Let's do it. And we'll let you guys decide yeah. what the best family combo in history is. 
Maybe a 32 team 32 tournament. Team? Yeah, and we don't need. Yeah, I don't know if we have 64, but 32 know. teams. Yeah. 32. Yeah, I feel like if I come, you probably this, could I mean, find we, we 32. People throwing out. Oh, who are the, the who Boses. are the, Somebody threw out the old the uh, Boses, the, Hanson yeah. brothers from the Charlestown Chiefs. There was one who Molinas. Who threw out uh, the Coopers because Morton. Oh, you, Morton you, Walker. You, you, Morton yep. Walker with the Cardinals. I mean, you could put. I think you could put those guys in a bracket of 64 just for the hell of it. You got the yeah. Sutters from 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 yeah, the yeah. Sutter family. There is there there are Again, Prince and Cecil here's Fielder. The thing, here's the thing: we put we put a bracket where people are going to throw in things and, and and we're gonna have to mention things how like Clay Matthews is actually a second generation NFL. Yeah, the original like Clay yeah. Matthews, because yeah. he's still for the 49ers in the fifties. They're right, still, right. they're still. So, are we just siblings and and father son? I don't know. I think you got to go. I think you got to go the whole family. family. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Is Troy Nicholas counting the Matthews? Howie, family? Chris, and uh, Kyle Long. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I that's like another, it. That's another good we, one. We should we should do this. Okay, we will. Yep. Uh, Eric Hyden and his sister forgot her name, uh, oh. so we'll toss her out now. <laughs> what about what cross about her off then? I'm putting the Grammaticas on this list. Oh, yeah, Bill and Martine. Uh, yeah, let's see if we get them into the top 32. Tatis uh, Guerreros. Oh, oh those yeah. are great. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, we'll do it. Yep. Thanks for the ideas. I mean, We're, heck, I can just go through the Blue Jays roster and pick. Um, who's there's another one. Um, oh, the Sedine sisters. Sedine sisters. Who's the other one in um up DiMaggio's. in the Blue Jays? Up in the Blue Jays, who's got a, a dad who Guerrero? Played? He just yeah. Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero um, Jr. Oh, Biggio, Cam uh, Biggio, and Bichette, and, and Dante Bichette. Yeah, That's That's yeah, we got three from the freaking Blue Jays. Got a lot of names. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, thanks, they're texting in like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the suggestions because <laughs> we, as a as a group, have like zero creativity. <laughs> so if you give us an idea, we're gonna we're we're gonna take this we're like a pit bull, man, and we're gonna we're we're gonna. Take this. It's a pit bull with a big old hunk of steak. So we're, we're running with it. All right. Carrie, Matthew, Randy, thanks so much for participating. You know what? We're going to come back to this, too, later in the show, because our buddy Ross Tucker was supposed to join us in the what time hour? Uh, uh, 845. Uh, 8.45. Yeah, he's not going to. We'll move things around, but we'll do this again later in the show, too. Right now, the Blues are allowing the seventh most goals per game in the league. How much of that is attributable to the forwards not making a defensive commitment? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There just hasn't been buy-in in certain styles of play that are needed that are needed to win. And there's little, there's little detail things. So we're, we're watching the game. There's a, the puck is in the corner in Colorado. The the Avs are trying to come out of the corner with it. We've got good pressure coming after him. Vladimir Tarasenko just kind of swoops. You know, as he goes straight into the puck and into the boards with the guy, we probably get that puck back. Instead, there's a big swoop. There's no stop and starts. Chris Kerber joining us yesterday here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. And hockey is a team sport. We all know that. And we've heard Darren Pang tell us. And I think this is the best way to watch hockey. All five of your players should be in the screen at once. When teams that play well are playing well, everybody is playing a great team game where your passes are short and you're moving the puck up the ice or... To prevent the opposition from doing good things, you're making direct plays. That's the best way I can put it. When Curbs talks about just kind of swooping in rather than going directly to the puck, that's antithetical. I've never used that nice. word. That was before. a nice word. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to Google that later. Okay. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to, to what Craig Berube wants. And 
He, Craig Bruby talks about, okay, we got to play north. We've got to play a north-south game. It's the shortest distance between two spots is a straight line. You can't give in a sport this fast. You can't give the opposition an extra split second because, like Curbs was talking about, and we saw it last night too, the opposition's going to take advantage of it. And a big part of that for the Blues, yes, the defensemen have played very poorly. But the reason that the Blues were great in 2019 is because they had puck possession, and now they aren't working hard enough to get the puck back. And then they're making a lot of mistakes trying to get it out of their own zone. Uh, making mistakes getting it out of their own zone is is probably the key phrase that you made. They, just the inability at times to do that. If you're able to do that and you're able to <laughs> get a line change, it changes the, the the game for you. And last night, you had Falk, who was unable to get it out of the zone. You're up 2-1. It hits a, a jet player in the chest. They score a goal. Not even 20 seconds later, I think, they, they score a second goal where you get a puck going off of off of Shin's leg. It's things like that that are, are, are so frustrating for Blues players, I'm sure, for the coaching staff, but more so for the Blues fans that are watching this, that are trying to cheer this team on and look for a reason to continue to watch. Randy, I said it yesterday. But I'm going to say it again. They have 22 regulation losses where they've given up four or more goals. 24, if you count the two overtime, two of the overtime mm-hmm. losses, where there are four or more goals giving up, giving up in a game. You, I, I'm not an intelligent. I'm not. I'm not that intelligent, Randy. I, I don't. I don't. I don't claim to be the smartest hockey uh, uh, a person, personality, or, or sports mm-hmm. person in the world. But I, I do know that if you're giving up four goals. In a game, at least twenty-two times, the chances of you winning those games eh, slim, not very great. slim. CD <laughs> and we talked earlier. We, if we talk to Jamie Rivers, he'll say, "Well, plus-minus is a stat, but it's not really a go-to mm-hmm. stat." And what it is, five on five. If you're on the ice for an opposition goal, that's a minus. If you're on the ice of five on five for your goals. It's a plus. But if you look big picture, I think it does hold some value. At some point, coincidence starts to go out the window. Of all the forwards in the National Hockey League, all the forwards on all 32 teams, Ryan O'Reilly has the second worst plus minus at minus 28. Braden Shen has the third worst plus minus in the league among forwards at minus 27. Jordan Kairou has the eighth worst plus minus Hmm. of all forwards in the NHL. He is a minus 26. When you have three of the eight worst plus minuses among forwards in the entire league, then you have a real issue. And that's where we are now. O'Reilly, second worst. Shen, third worst. Kairou's actually fifth worst among forwards in the NHL. That is no way, and by the, by the way, Vladdy Tarasenko is the 14th worst. We talk about the, the forwards not mm-hmm. helping out enough defensively. That tells me that not just one guy, but as a group, the forwards aren't doing enough to help this team's defense. Multiple lines are, are partaking in this, in this lack of, of helping on the defensive yeah. end. And if nothing else, Randy, if you are—hockey shifts last, what, 40, 45 about seconds? 40 seconds, yeah. 40 seconds. For 40 seconds, if you can't give me everything you got for 40 seconds, that's a problem. That's a problem for me. Like in the NFL, 
uh, plays usually last between five and eight seconds, like from snap to the end of the play. That, that it, it, that's all I'm asking you. Now, you got to do it 60 to 70 times a game. But that's generally the the length of the play. If it's over that, that means somebody ran a long run, and it's you know it's probably a touchdown. You get to go to the sideline. Kerry, we're on until eleven today. We're going to talk to our friend Darren Pang coming up at ten fifteen. One of his keys to the game for the Blues last night struck me. It was commit to competitiveness for forty seconds at a time. Is that not what's the difference between (laughs) committing to competitiveness and committing to trying hard? What's where do we differentiate there? I, they, they are one and the same. You you are trying hard, you are competing, and it's for 40 seconds. And yeah. so when you give those numbers of plus minus and, and you got four forwards in the top 15 on your team in all of the NHL, what that means is for 40 seconds at a time, I'm not getting the, be- the best that I can get. And if you're tired, Randy... You get off the ice. Yeah, that's part of it. Like you, you, you don't have to stay out there for five minutes straight. Forty seconds. Yep. Maybe you get extended for 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 uh, uh, an extra minute, depending on what's going on. Maybe you spend a minute and twenty seconds. Maybe you spend a minute and forty seconds. But now you're up there in time. But for forty mm-hmm. seconds, generally speaking, give me everything you have. Get to the bench, rest for for I don't know a couple minutes, and give me another forty seconds. That's all I'm asking. And if you can't do that, this is why this team is struggling in the manner that they are. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and that's what we've got for you here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, stick around. Do we have a fighter, Matthew? We do have a fighter, and that means we're going to have a fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe Listener. Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Joshua. Joshua, good morning. How are you doing? Good, Kerry. How are you doing this morning? I am doing well. How are you How are you feeling going into this fight? Ah, let's see how it goes. All right, well, Randy <laughs> hasn't lost yet this year, so Joshua, we are we're depending, we're leaning on you a Come little on, bit. Come on, Joshua. To, to make it happen. Yeah, all right, let's go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Happy birthday to our good friend BT, Brad Thompson. BT pitched the major major excuse me. BT only pitched major league innings for one team other than the Cardinals. Who was it? The Minnesota Twins, the Houston Astros, or the Kansas City Royals? Ooh. Houston Astros. Happy birthday to Carrie's big brother, Mario Williams. Which Heisman Trophy winner was drafted immediately after Williams in the 2006 NFL Draft? Was that Vince Young, Matt Leinart, or Reggie Bush? Reggie uh, Bush. All right, Joshua. There are 12 300-game winners in MLB history who played the majority of their careers after the Cy Young Award began. Only three failed to win the award. Don Sutton... Nolan Ryan, and who else? Is it Phil Necro, Warren Spawn, or Early Win? What was uh, what was the last one? Early Win. Uh, let's go with Spawn. 
And there are only two players in Major League Baseball history to win both the Rookie of the Year and the MVP in the same season, both of them in the American League. Ichiro did it once, but which 1970s MVP was the first ever to do it? Was that Jim Rice, Fred Lynn, or Vita Blue? Vita Blue. All right, we will double check the score on this one, and we will go get Randy Carricker. Joshua, how are you feeling? Oh, not good. Not, not good, good at all. <laughs> not good at all? Well, that, that doesn't leave us a lot of, uh, you know, room for excitement here josh we gotta josh we gotta be we gotta be thrilled and ready to roll megamind is uh he's a man that can be taken down you 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 ever rocky four is one of my favorite movies and when when rocky (laughs) finally hit ivan drago and they said he does bleed I, i mean that's the mindset that we have to have when we go against randy we should we should But we don't. I understand. No, but we don't. Randy, well, first of all, if people could have seen the look that Randy gave me when I mentioned that Ivan Drago does bleed and he can be taken down, it was a look that that I don't know that I've ever had that look from Randy, but it was a look of disgust. Like, how dare you think I would ever lose in this game? I understand, but we... we, we, Randy doesn't bleed. He does not bleed at all. Randy, say hello to Joshua. Joshua, good morning. How you doing? I am fantastic. How are you doing, Randy? Doing well. Thanks for listening and thanks for playing today. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for beating me. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Happy birthday to our good friend, BT, Brad Thompson. Mm-hmm. BT pitched major league innings for one team other than the Cardinals. Who was it? It was uh, the team that he actually punched himself unconscious with. <laughs> What? Yeah, he'll tell that story to us <laughs> at some point. It was the Kansas City Royals. Happy Number birth- 57 for the Kansas City Royals, by the way. Happy birthday to the man we learned was Carrie's big brother, Mario oh Williams. <laughs> Which Heisman Trophy winner was drafted immediately after Williams in the 2006 NFL Draft? So Mario Williams went to the Houston Texans. I still, to this day, think the Houston Texans should have taken Reggie Bush. That's who it was. It was Reggie Bush in 2006, right? 2005 uh, season, then 2006 NFL draft. Mario Williams, then Reggie Bush. All right, Randy, there are only there are 12 300 game winners in MLB history who played the majority of their careers after the Cy Young Award began. Okay. Only three failed to win the award. Don Sutton, Nolan Ryan, and who else? Do the lifeline here. Is it Phil Necro? Yes. Warren Spawn. Well, you don't need me to go no more anymore. Uh, let's give it. Give me the okay. <laughs> Phil Necro, Warren Spawn, or Early Win. I'm going Phil Necro. All right, Randy. And there are only two players in Major League Baseball history to win both the Rookie of the Year and the MVP in the same season, and both of them happened in the American League. Ichiro did it in 2001, but which 1970s MVP was the first ever to do it? 1970s. MVP. So get MVP and rookie, rookie of the year in the same season. Each row in 2001, what 1970s MVP did it as well. For some reason, I think it was Fred Lynn. I'm going to go with Fred Lynn, 1975 Boston Red Sox.
Was Joshua enough to take down Randy Carricker, or does the 2023 winning streak roll on for Megamind? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Joshua. You heard Mr. Buck, and that means that Randy Carricker got the jack. He got all four correct. He beat you four to one today. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Joshua. I, I, I tried to set it up for you. I didn't expect anything different. <laughs> we heard you did not. And let's go through all those answers in case you missed them. B- BT Brad Thompson, it's his birthday today. Man, he shares his birthday with some incredible players. Mario Williams, uh, Jackie Robinson, Ernie Banks, Don Hudson. I mean, there's some incredible names on January 31st. He was the, the best only- radio guy of all of those guys. There you go. The only <laughs> other team that he pitched major league innings for was, in fact, the Kansas City Royals in 2010. He pitched 19 and two-thirds for the Royals. Get the ERA? Uh, uh, it's uh, 5.66, I think. Okay. Off the top of my head from looking at it yesterday. Uh, happy birthday to Mario Williams, who I called Carrie's big brother. Which Heisman Trophy winner was drafted immediately after Williams? It was, in fact, Reggie Bush. If you still want to call him a Heisman Trophy winner, I hope no one is problematic with me still referring to him as that. He'd won it, and he went number two overall in that draft. There are 12 300-game winners in Major League Baseball history who played their career after the Cy Young Award began. Only three failed to win it. It's Don Sutton, Nolan Ryan, and Phil Negro. Warren Spahn, an early win, both got Cy Young's one Cy Young in there late in their career, and there are only two players in Major League Baseball history to win both the Rookie of the Year and the MVP in the same season. Ichiro did it in 2001, but for the Boston Red Sox in 1975, it was Fred Lynn who was the first one to ever do it. So a 4-1 win for Randy. Joshua, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for joining the fight. Hey, thank you guys. Have a wonderful day. Joshua, you too. Thank you. Okay, what the hell were you thinking? Nah, I <laughs> You should come in here. You know, Bernard Hopkins used to come into the ring with his with the mask. You should just come on in here every day with one of those masks and robes. We got. I'm gonna get you a robe, one of the the boxing robes for the fight. That, that's my. It's gonna be my gift to you. Uh, the next time birthday or or Christmas, you're gonna get one of those robes, and it's just gonna say, "What nickname do you want? You want Mega Mind, Executioner? What what would you like?" I gotta think about this. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna get you one. And, and, and a pair of boxing gloves and when it's time for you to go out for the fight I, that's what I want you to you gotta put that on <laughs> I don't, we, we've never had a producer that uh, kept such close track of the statistics well it's easy when you're winning every one of them Randy this is not I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately bothered that I can't I can't like I, I like there some was no the fans, there was no the listeners there was no Hall of Famer for that year and that was fine because there was three there were four people who got two, through two, two wins and almost won the third time and there was wins periodically here and there, but I mean, there's, this is now the second time in, in in just over a year where you've had like a twenty fight win counter going, and I just I can't I can't I don't know what to do. I don't I, know if I've ever had a month, and we've been doing this for fourteen years, thirteen years. I don't know if I've ever had a month where you, I didn't lose. You got just short of tw- you got just above twenty because we used the sounder from the athletics. 
from the Moneyball A's. We use the sounder mm-hmm. when you won one of the things to be like they celebrate like the 22nd win or something oh, like yeah. that. Uh-huh. So you're right up against that again. So I got I to gotta figure out a way to stump you this week, Randy. We got, we got some – We got. I mean, soccer questions are, are generally <laughs> the Randy stopper. Mm-hmm. But even soccer though you – WNBA, yeah. Is, no. There we no, go. Yeah. That's wrong. Again, I'm trying to find questions <laughs> that – He just gave that you he a gets, window. That he gets <laughs> wrong, but don't got, get me death-stared. I got a question. I got one for you. I'm going I'm, I'm to give it to you when we get a chance. I like not having – Two holes just in the center of my chest. <laughs> like the, Randy the just being like, like, "Oh, really? Like, huh? The dimples on a golf ball? You think are funny? <laughs> the Do you? He you? gave me when I said he, you know, he can bleed. He mm-hmm. kind of yep. looked. Yeah. He mm-hmm. looked through me. He Not, didn't look at me. Listen, it was, it's a little nerve wracking. Part of me felt like I shouldn't admit that 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 that, that, that stare that that stare curdles my curdles my soul. But then Greg Amzinger did, and I was like, "Well, if it if it can if it can still waver Greg Amzinger, then I shouldn't feel too bad about it." <laughs> I think there's 144 dimples on a golf ball, right? See, I don't remember. <laughs> That's, that was that was a that was a tiebreaker oh, from 336. Like, yeah, it's three. Yeah, it was, I thought it was like 300. I think yeah. you guessed like one. I think you might, might have, have lost that one because you guessed like 144. Yeah. So I'll commit that one to memory. Ah, oh, dang it! All right, coming up uh, more in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One of our favorite people is the uh, the great Brad Thompson. Hey! He joins us now on his birthday on 101 ESPN. BT, good morning. Gentlemen, I found out this is why I never answer the phone. <laughs> right here. Did, did we, first of all, it's, it's 849. Did we wake you up? Of course you didn't wake me up. I had kids up this morning. I just dropped off the new puppy uh, at training slash daycare. I mean, uh, you know, life goes on. Okay, well, we wanted to sing happy birthday to you. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brad. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, the voice of angels right there. Look at you guys. <laughs> that made my day. Happy birthday, brother. We miss you. I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, we were You were one of, the, uh, one of the fight questions today, and it said, uh, which team did you play for other than the Cardinals in your major league career? And, and Randy brought up this interesting fact that I did not know. Uh, so, so, BT, one of my favorite movies, Jim Carrey, obviously Carrey, it, one of my favorite movies, Jim Carrey movies, is Liar, Liar. And there's a scene in that movie where he's in the bathroom and the bailiff comes in and he says, do you mind? I'm kicking my own ass. And so <laughs> I was told that you punched yourself unconscious when you were with the Kansas City Royals. I'm imagining that it was something like that. Do Could you please expand on, on that story and exactly what took place? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the perfect time to do it. It's my birthday, it's a celebration, uh, and we'll talk about one of my one of my darker days. Gary, uh, you and I, and uh, I think that there are a lot of comps. Gary, I, I believe that you have some anger issues now. No, no question. You know, you're not playing football. You're not in the NFL anymore, so you don't have to come out. Uh, and I used to have more anger issues than I have currently. Me too. And I had a game when I was when I was uh, pitching for the Royals. We're in Boston, and I know Randy, you've got them too. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm pitching in Boston, and uh, this game is not going as planned. I ended up giving up. It was like six or seven runs in like two innings. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, end up coming and getting pulled out of the game. I wait for uh, the reliever to get out of the inning. You know, I could do the good teammate thing. You know, slap hands. Hey, good job, man. That a baby. 
and uh, third out hits, and I I punch everything that I can punch on the way up to the tunnel. And it's a long tunnel, like going up to the clubhouse in Boston. It's a long walk. I'm punching lights and doors and walls. And I get up to the clubhouse, and uh, I'm about – and by the way, kids, don't do this, okay? It's, uh, it's stupid. Learn from, learn from my mistakes. Uh, but I get to my locker. I rip everything out of it because chances are the organization is going to do that for me soon. <laughs> like, I rip everything out of it. I've thrown it on the ground, and I'm just out of stuff. Like, I'm out of stuff to punch and throw, and I sit there in front of my locker – and I just ball up my right hand, and I hit myself in the head, like right in the temple. Uh, and, like, I blacked out for a second. So and I, I always say, like, the the uh, like the punchline, uh, uh, pardon the pun, is I don't know if I hit really hard or I can't take a punch. Like, that's where I don't know, I don't know if that was, like, a win for me or a loss. But, uh, the anger issues have subsided quite a bit. I, I will have you know I haven't hit myself in years. BT, I, I will admit on air that you are not alone in punching yourself in the side of the head. I have had a moment like that. I didn't black out, so again, I don't know if I hit really soft or I can just take a punch. It, it's it's a it's a, a weird question that you have to ask yourself when you do that to yourself. It's not it's not right. Nah, I, I've been there. You're it's not alone. Question that I don't want most I don't want most humans to have to ask. That they shouldn't. Question. They like, should we're not. A special breed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, what what happened afterwards then? Uh, after uh, after I woke up, yeah, um, no, it, it was uh, then I collected my belongings. I put them back in my locker. I think I pitched <laughs> one more game with the Royals and got released. So it's not good to laugh at this. We can laugh yeah, at it now. That was about it. I pitched one more game. I, I pitched against the Angels. I had like a one, two, three inning, and I think the next day I ended up getting released. Uh, and uh, then signed a, a deal with uh, the, the Astros, was in AAA there, got released from there, had Tommy John. Boy, it spiraled, I'll tell you, uh, after <laughs> in the whole hurry. punching yourself <laughs> in the head thing. I mean, it, it went downhill quick. VT, <laughs> do you know if anyone was in that clubhouse when this took place? Were you by yourself, or do you think there's an off chance that one one or two people actually saw this, this tirade going on and, and just sat back and watched? Oh, there's for sure uh, witnesses to it. Now, I don't know if there any of my teammates were in there, but certainly like a trainer uh, and the clubhouse staff was definitely in there. They were like, I hope he just doesn't break anything of ours. We don't want this guy to have a horrible day. And then we sent him a bill. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are witnesses to it. Uh, I'm glad there's not video of it like several other events in my career. Uh, but, yeah, somebody, somebody has told this story. It's like, man, I watched a guy punch himself right in the face and then just slump in front of his locker for a second and then pop back up. <laughs> hey, you know what? That, that day led you ultimately to 101 ESPN. So even though it wasn't the best of days, it wind, wound up the, the long game was a positive. Whew. Isn't life crazy? You know, it, it's uh, the, the things that you think are awful turn out to be great. That's why we're living this uh, this life, right? You got to take that winding path where you know life or you hit yourself right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> BT, have a, a very very happy birthday. Uh, it's, you and your family have a great time. We were, we're glad that you answered the phone. Thanks so much for the the time that you spent with us this morning. No, shoot. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Call me back tomorrow, and we'll go over the kicky, uh, kicking a puppy. It's <laughs> <laughs> another great story. So, okay, BT, I got to tell the story because uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I told this on the air, but I get down to Florida, 
and for the uh, fantasy camp, and I text my son Patrick that I'm there. I said, "How's it going?" He said, "It's good. I'm watching BT's team, and they're down eleven to nothing." And you, we, we talked about it. You and I did. So uh, the first thing I texted is, well, "Was Brad pitching?" And not cool, Randy. <laughs> not cool. <laughs> no. If if there wasn't historical reference, because you do know uh, darn well that I did give up eleven runs in the first inning of a game against the Bridgeport Bluefish, which was my old nemesis as a member of the Somerset Patriots, eleven in one, oh. and that was where like I thought that I was just going to walk off the mound and just just hand my jersey away. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. Uh, but then ended up going, uh, I believe, seven innings in that game and give it up 11. So, you know, it's a comeback story. There you <laughs> it go. It really is. Have a great day, brother. See I you later. Retired two weeks later. It's not a comeback story. All right, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. That's a great Brad Thompson. The uh, great, great, great Brad, Brad Thompson. I'm so glad he answered the phone. Yeah. He's awesome. He's one of the funniest people ever. <laughs> and I always tell him, because I joke about the career, but let me get the latest for you here. Hold on one second while I play with my computer. Uh, in the history of the sports that Brad Thompson played, there have been 22,860 people that have donned a major league uniform. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's 3.3 billion people, men in the world, right? Yep. In the history, think of all the billions of men since 1876 that have graced this earth. 22,860 have worn a major, been good enough to wear a major league uniform, and he's one of them. And didn't he have like the longest streak of. of, 57 uh, and two thirds. No hit any, no. Uh, Scoreless scoreless innings. Scoreless innings. Yep. Yeah. Minor league baseball. There you go. Yeah. He was was a great prospect. He was was supposed to be Greg Maddox. Didn't. You know, didn't wind up that way, but he was supposed to be at least. Yeah. Who else can yeah. say that? There you go. Yeah, I, I was never considered the next, uh, I don't know, Lorenzo Neal. So, That's pretty good. That is. See, not many have done that. <laughs> there you go. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up today's big thing. We talked earlier about the top 100 prospects in baseball. Well, how do the Cardinals stack up against other successful franchises? That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. When you think about that roster, there are emerging stars coming. And that's not even really to start to dig into what we think we have at the minor league system or at the prospect level. But when you look at that prospect group, there are some younger players that are starting to put themselves on that major league radar when you think about somebody like a Jordan Walker and what his impact might be, or Graceffo, McGreevy, to name a few. And so that's really what's going to go into to how we think about the 23 season unfolding. And so you guys might not share my same enthusiasm or optimism for this season, but I, I, I promise you it's, it's going to be a fun team to watch and, and one that's going to be very competitive. Cardinal Pomo, John Mozeliak at the winter warm-up a couple of weeks ago, and the Cardinals say they're excited about their prospects. Well, independently, Keith Law over at The Athletic and the folks at Baseball America and the folks at MLB Pipeline, who are not affiliated with the Cardinals front office, they like the Cardinals system, too. And the latest top 100 prospect rankings, C.D., contains for the Cardinals five of the top 100 prospects in baseball. And obviously, we mentioned uh, Jordan Walker at number four, and he has a chance not only to be 
great, but he has a chance to be spectacular. The The Cardinals also have Mason Wynn checking in at number 50, Tink Hentz at number 77, Gordon Graceffo at 79, and Alec Burleson at 91. And when you compare that to other organizations, let's start with organizations that haven't done what the Cardinals have done. I know there's a lack of appreciation by many, not all, by many of the Cardinals only making the playoffs and not winning World Series. But the Pirates, they don't win an awful lot. They've got four of the top 100. Their highest is at number 26. They've got 55, 57, and 60. The Marlins have three of the top 100 prospects, numbers 13, 61, and 67. The Royals have one, one top 100 prospect. He's number 62. The Tigers have three, numbers 63, 83, and 95. Nowhere close to number four. Orioles. And they've done a lot of losing. Mm -hmm. They've got eight. They've got numbers 1, 7, 12, 40, 74, 87, and 99. Just want to quickly compare the Cardinals to some of the other successful franchises that do go to the playoffs every year. The Dodgers have seven. Cardinals have five. Braves have none. Astros have one. Yankees have three. Rays have four. I believe because this is an independent evaluation, that says a lot of good things about the Cardinal system and the way they go about drafting and hopefully developing. So when you're looking at at this this list that we have and you see the Cardinals with five, you see the Braves with zero and the Houston Astros with one. I think that would tell me that they have the Astros have zero or the Astros have uh, one and the Braves have zero because mm-hmm. their prospects that they hit on over the last few years have come up and you've seen those teams win championships. The and, only guys, though, that well, both Kyle Tucker, he was a highly regarded prospect. But Jeremy Pena, I don't even know if he was a top 100. Yeah. When when they brought him up, well, Astros had Acuna and and Austin Riley. The, the, the Braves, Braves, I mean, were the Braves loaded. had Acuna yeah, and, yeah. and Austin Riley, and so you look at them and say, well, they'd probably done it the right way with their prospects, hitting on their prospects. If you're trying to, I guess, the Braves have have paid their younger players, and they're going to be there for a long time. They won a championship. They understand the route and the way that they needed to go to be successful and stay successful without having to spend the type of money that the Mets are spending mm-hmm. or that the Yankees are spending. They are doing it in a way that I think if you're the St. Louis Cardinals with these prospects, with these guys that are going to be coming up over the next two to three years, you're going to say, hey, let's pay these guys now. And you're in a window. I, I want to say that this this championship window for the Cardinals, depending on how well the pitching does, how healthy the pitching stays, that championship window is now. It, it, it started last year when you have the two MVP candidates, one winning it. But that window from 2022 to roughly 2028 is going to be the window for the mm-hmm. Cardinals to win their next championship. Hopefully you get more than one in that window when you have the, the, the prospects of Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn and Graceffo and all of this talent that is is there for the Cardinals taking. And it seems like for a franchise like the Cardinals, a mid-market team that, believe them or not, but they are mid-revenue too, they're 12th in revenue, according to Bill DeWitt, the secret sauce is going to be in signing these young players like you're talking about and having a a core in place for the foreseeable future. And that 
is really important for them. It's incumbent upon them when they say they don't want to sign the long-term deals for older players that are going to end their contract at the age of 38, 39, 40. But if you have Jordan Walker, and he's a stud by the time he's 23 or 24, you sign him to the 10-year deal, and you sign him to the $320 million deal or the $340 million deal that Fernando Tatis Jr. got. That's where, if the Cardinals don't keep a guy like Jordan Walker around, if he winds up being what they expect him to be, then we should all be critical of it. Yeah, and and if you're the Cardinals, you have to. I mean, with the Albert Pujols contract, he was how old when when he 31. left? Thirty-one. He was thirty-one when yep. he left. And by the way, they gave him when he was twenty-three. They gave him a seven-year deal for hundred million dollars, which was, was the, after his third season, right? Oh, yeah, oh one, oh two, oh three. They gave it to him for oh four. And so you didn't want to sign him to a ten-year deal for. Whatever, whatever. They that, offered it to him. They offered him ten years and two hundred and ten. He didn't take it. Well, what did the Angels offer him? It was about two forty, and then with the personal services, two fifty. Okay, so he left for an extra forty million. Yeah, and maybe that was best for the Cardinals. I mean, maybe in the long run, without the DH, without uh, at the time him having to play first base every single day, his career might not have extended as long as it did. But now with Jordan Walker and and his potential, what what they're perceiving him to potentially be if he's that guy that is going to be in the outfield and everyday starter who has potential to play the infield and now you have the DH in the National League this is a guy that if you don't want him to leave your franchise you're going to have to pay him the money that he's going to be due and, and again this is all you know we, we don't know what he's going to be until he actually is here mm-hmm. and we see it on a on a day in and day out basis but the way that this franchise is set up the prospects that they have, the 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 championship window, which I think, like I said, opened last year, 2022. As long as the pitching is staying healthy and you get some younger blood in there, when when Adam Wainwright is on his way out and and maybe you're not able to re-sign Jack Flaherty, that window is open right now. And when those guys get here, it's gonna be it's gonna stay open for an extended period of time. You have to win a championship in, during that time. And CD, I agree with you, and I want to just touch on the rest of the Cardinals division. The Pirates, and by the way, they brought up O'Neill Cruz last year. They have Brian Hayes. They've got some good young players in their lineup. As we mentioned, they have four of the top 100. Cardinals, two of their top 100 play, uh, five 100 players are pitchers. The Pirates' top pitching prospect is a guy named Quinn Priester, whose ETA is 2023. He's a right-handed pitcher, but the only pitcher that the Pirates have in the top 100. The Cubs have three top 100 players. They're all outfielders. The Cubs do not have a pitcher among the top 100 prospects. And the Reds, also in the Cardinals division, of course, have four top 100 prospects. None of them are pitchers. Mm-hmm. And it all comes, if you want, want to succeed, it all comes about because you have young, cost-controlled pitching. The fact that the Cardinals have Graceffo and Tink Hentz on their list, and Michael McGreevy isn't even listed, or Connor Thomas isn't even listed, the Cardinals just have more numbers to throw at the pitching problem than other teams in the division have. What are your thoughts on Matthew Libertor? Because he was one of those top prospects a few years back. Right. Do you do you feel that he is potentially in in that in that mindset of younger players that could 
be a, in the starting rotation and help this franchise go in the direction to win a championship? He's not going to be what I thought he was going okay. to be. I thought he could be a front-of-the-rotation guy. Now I think he, if he makes it, he's going to be a back-of-the-rotation guy or a reliever. By the way, the Brewers don't have any uh, pitchers either. Their uh, top three, top 100 players, Milwaukee's are all outfielders. Coming up next, the former owner of the Seattle Mariners and the former chairman of MS Communications, really accomplished gentleman, Jeff Smullian, has a new book up. He joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. It is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. If you aren't aware of it, right next door to us, literally the studio next door, houses KC95, legendary rock station, not only in St. Louis, but in America. And the man who kind of oversaw KC turning into this monolith was Jeff Smullian, the uh, founder and uh, former CEO of MS Communications, who joins us now. He's got a new book out called Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. Jeff joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Uh, Jeff, that's Gary Davis. This is Randy Carricker. Thanks for taking some time with us. How are you doing? I'm great, Randy, Gary. Good uh, talking to you. So tell us about KC. Casey was a lot of fun. Uh, we bought Casey in 1984. Uh, we had more fun with it because everybody who listened to it loved it, and everybody in St. Louis thought only people who are locked up in their parents' basement and aren't employed are listening. Um, <laughs> we we had Casey, we had Sweet Meat the Pig, and all of our listeners said Sweet Meat is the greatest thing of all time. Uh, and the advertisers said we're not advertising on a station with a pig with a joint in his mouth. We're not doing it. And um, so we had, we had more fun with it because we said, okay, we have, we have a perception problem here. And so we cleaned up sweet meat. We put him in a costume. We took the joint out of his mouth, sent him to hospitals and charity events, tried to make him a good guy around town. Um, And by the way, you'll notice he's got the joint and the beard back now, but that's another story (laughs) 40 years later. Um, And we did, we did profiles of listeners and we had a picture of a woman who looked like she had just been traveling with the Grateful Dead when she was like 18. And then a picture of her now, and she was like a prominent surgeon. And somebody who looked like he had blown up the federal building when he was 18. <laughs> and, and now the guy's a prosecutor. So it was like the perception versus the reality of Casey. And uh, it changed the perception. We had more fun with it. We did an ad campaign called You're Never Too Old to Rock and Roll. Uh, about a guy who's you know comes home from work in a suit and tie, and he goes into his his office and he he pulls his tie down and he's doing you know air guitar and his daughter sees him and his the and the wife comes in and they're like shocked that this upstanding businessman is you know playing stone songs on his air guitar and we just had more fun it was uh casey was a great project hey jeff your book never ride a roller coaster upside down the ups and downs and reinvention of an entrepreneur what does that title mean never ride a roller coaster upside down well i have always believed that life is a roller coaster ride and i I, i'm an entrepreneur um i've that I'm an entrepreneur because I'm not hireable by anybody else in a free society. But I started <laughs> Emma's 40 years ago. I, I, I had to laugh in the introduction, said former CEO, and I went, oh, my God, these guys know something. I don't know. I just, <laughs> Sorry I, about I, that, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it, it just that's life. And I always said we did so many crazy things uh, that it's really been a roller coaster right upside down. And 
the book was written at the behest of my now college freshman daughter. I would drive her to school every day uh, from kindergarten until she fired me when she got her driver's license. And um, we would just talk about life. And she said, Dad, you got to write this down. Nobody would ever believe these stories. And there's stories about our life in Major League Baseball. And I was an ambassador and we owned the largest network in Hungary and we got nationalized there. Uh, and then uh, obviously the start of, you know, all sports radio, WFAN, which started the whole genre. Um, so it was, it's just been fun. And I have a favorite saying, uh, the line between being a genius and idiot is very fine. And I've been on both sides. So I, I have one chapter that's idiot to genius. And that was the start of all sports radio. Cause when we did it in 1987, everybody said, this is a really stupid idea. Uh, and then it worked. And so I went from idiot to genius. And then we bought the Seattle Mariners, and I was kind of the boy wonder in the Northwest and signing autographs and giving speeches, and everybody loved us. And then the team didn't win, uh, and we lost a ton of money, and so I went to idiot. So that's why. <laughs> Looking back, granted, you were losing a ton of money, but that franchise is yeah. worth $1.7 billion now, according to Forbes. You sold it for $100 yeah. million, correct? Hundred and twenty-five, and okay. I really wish you hadn't, hadn't reminded me Sorry. of that. Sorry, yeah, um, the salt in the wound. That's, well, there's a, there's a story in the book. My friend David Stern, when we got out of Seattle, offered me the Houston Rockets. Said, "I don't care what you put into it. You run it. Take the equity you want." And uh, I turned him down because I said, "I got to fix Emmis, and Emmis has always been my first love." Uh, and whenever I would talk to David afterwards, he would tell me how much the Rockets were worth, and I think the latest is like two and a half billion. So. I am the king of sometimes making decisions that aren't so smart. (laughs) (laughs) It it happens. But your 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 first all sports radio station, how what went into that idea? And you said it was people saying, you know, that wasn't a great idea, but it ended up. I mean, that's what we do every day here. What went into that, and and how did that decision come about? Well, I had I I went to USC. I'm from Indianapolis and been in Indianapolis my whole life, but went to school at USC. When I wasn't paying attention in the class which was a pretty common occurrence for me in college, um, I thought about all sports radio. I was always a radio junkie. And when we bought the, the Doubleday stations in New York, we had two FMs and we had an AM. And it was, it was it had the Mets and it had country music. And the joke was it was the largest country music station in, in America because it was in New York City, but it was like 30th in the ratings. So we just said, look, let's... Uh, I brought it up to a manager's meeting and said, I want to do this. And it got voted down. Um, one of my best friends walked out of the meeting and said, what do you want to do? And I said, you really can't lead where people won't follow. So we can't do it. And the next day, um, Rick Cummings, uh, who was, was then and is still now head of uh, all of our product, uh, came in and said, look, we owe you one. The company's doing really well. Uh, we still think this is a stupid idea, but we owe you one. We'll do it. Um, and then it, for the first 18 months, it was known as Smullyan's Folly. Everybody thought it wouldn't work. We made a lot of mistakes. Jim Lampley called it the Vietnam War of Amos. <laughs> uh, and, and, then it, and then we merged with NBC. We moved the frequency. We got Don Imus. We put Mike and the Mad Dog together, and the whole thing took off. Jeff Smullyan, the name of the book is Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, CEO of MS Communications, the founder of what we're doing, Sports Talk Radio, former owner of the Seattle Mariners. And Jeff, it's interesting because I did a lot of hits from St. Louis in those early years on WFAN. And it's amazing to me, and I was telling somebody recently how this medium has changed because in 1987, everybody didn't have all the information 
literally in the palm of their hands. I remember doing right. shows at KMOX, post-game shows, where people would call in and say, Tony Gwynn was hitting 390. Hey, how's Tony Gwynn doing tonight? Nobody cares yeah. about that anymore. And the the medium has evolved from an information medium into a, an opinion medium. Uh, right. And, and right. it's I, I think it's better now, but I, I just want to get your read on the, the evolution of sports talk radio, too. Well, that was the the original idea. We brought in a lovely man named John Shannon, who's passed away many years ago. But John was an ABC network guy, and he did sports at ABC, and he wanted to make it like network radio and all information. And and it, it just, well, when we made the switch about nine months into the project, where we meant local opinion, New York people, uh, it changed everything uh, because people care. You know, I, I would say, you know, Karl Marx used to say religion is the opiate of the masses. Well, in, in America today, sports is the opiate of the masses. This is what people care about. It's a great diversion from our, the rest of our lives. And we just, you know, what you find is, you know, people in St. Louis, you know, want to talk about the cards and they want to talk about the blues uh, that they, I guess they don't want to talk about the Rams anymore, but that's it's true. Story, but, <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, people care passionately about their teams. And when you could play, find a forum for it, I, I'll tell you one quick story. You, I think you'll appreciate uh, in, in, in baseball in sports radio sort of changed the dynamic because before sports radio, if a columnist ripped you in the morning, you read the paper in the morning and you were done. But with sports radio, it was a 24-hour dialogue. And if you were doing something that was criticized, you got ripped all day long. Mm-hmm. And one of my best friends in baseball came to Seattle, and he's driving around town, and he hears the sports radio station ripping me for some some stupid thing I did, or that he thought I did. And he said, you know, I'm not a religious man, but to think that the guy who invented this format who ruined the lives of every manager and owner and player in sports now owns a team and is getting ripped proves to me that there's a God. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Smullyan with us on 101 ESPN. I need to ask you about Ken Griffey because Kerry's, okay. Ke- Kerry's baseball player growing up, and he, obviously it was Ozzy because he was here, but if, if you ask most people his age, 40s, who their guy was growing up, it was Ken yeah. Griffey Jr. And you were right there on yeah. the inside of the emergence of Ken Griffey Jr. What was that like? I loved him. It's funny because I was of the era where every kid either loved Vicky Mantle or Willie Mays. I was a Willie Mays fan. I haven't kept a lot of memorabilia from baseball, but two pictures I've kept. I kept the autograph card or the lineup card the first night that Ken and his dad played together. Um, I framed that. And then I have a picture of Ken and his dad on the field the first night. And then the other picture I have is Ken and his dad and Willie Mays and me at a spring training game. I loved Kenny. My favorite part of baseball, people said, what'd you miss? And you really, a lot of the aggravation you don't miss. Um, my favorite saying is, statement was in an owner's meeting, somebody said, every man in America wants to own a baseball team except the 30 guys who actually do. Um, <laughs> but I loved, I loved Kenny. Um, he was, he was, we were like, my best friend was president of the team and we would go before every game behind home plate there's a little area where we'd sit and watch the first couple of innings where we had to go up to the owner's box and talk to you know politicians and dignitaries and all that and we'd just sit there before the game kenny would come in and just shoot the breeze about everything and i loved him uh i'll tell you one story it's in the book um kenny made a catch 
that's probably the most famous catch ever where he's running full speed and he runs up the wall to catch the ball. Um, and, and he runs up the wall and the next night before the game, Kenny says, what do you think of that catch? And, and Gary said, Kenny, that was an, a, a fairly nice catch. Um, but you tore up the padding, and we're going to have to document <laughs> And Kenny, without missing the beat, said, get that, get that money from ESPN. They're going to be showing that clip for three years. And, I, and, and honest to God, they show that clip. Even today, I see that yeah. clip. I, and I still don't understand how he did it. He's just running full speed. He just runs up the wall and catches the ball. Yeah. Amazing. Hey, Jeff, you talked about the entrepreneurship and and just starting your own businesses and starting your own companies. What is the part of you that is there a fearful factor of of being an entrepreneur and not having a a set salary and having to do all about it on your own? And and what kind of thrived and allowed you to go through that and be able to continue to have the success that you had? Well, I've I've had uh, I've come from a family of entrepreneurs. I've always said I'm an entrepreneur because nobody in a free society would actually ever hire me. Um, so I was always destined to be an entrepreneur. I loved it. I knew what I wanted to do at an early age. I loved radio, uh, and then that led to all the other things. But I think, and I kind of joke, we're all the entrepreneur of our own lives. Um, but I think it's just having the ability to make the decisions and be involved. And, and chart a course. And I've, I've been blessed. I've been with uh, a lot of the people, you know, John Beck, who ran Casey, was with us all the years we owned it for like 35 years. Rick Cummings, who was the person who first said sports radio is a stupid idea, <laughs> uh, started with me in 1981 and we're together, you know, to get to this moment. Um, so I've been surrounded by great people. Uh, and it's just been fun. You know, and I think if you can have fun and surround yourself with great people, usually good things happen. Not always, not always, but usually. That's what it's all about. Yeah, have fun, surround yourself with good good people, let them do their job, and more yep. times than not, you're going to succeed. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Jeff Smullyan, the book is fantastic. It's called Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down by Jeff Smullyan, CEO of MS Communications, former owner of the Mariners, and some great stories in there. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Good luck with the book. Hey, thanks, guys. And I, I, I promised my publicist I'd tell people that if you want it, just look it up on Amazon under Jeff Smollian or Never Ride a Roller Coaster, and you can buy it. Okay? Sounds great. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. See you. That's uh, Jeff Smollian, former owner of the Mariners. Sorry, I, yeah, I, I guess when a guy sells a team for $120 million and it's worth $1.7 yeah. probably not something that they want to hear about doing an interview. No. I, I, you know, I... You you think about all of I think I often think about money that I missed out on playing, but I I mean that's a, a ton of money that that, that you that's a lot of money it's a lot yeah. of money yeah. that you you think at the time oh I just made thirty million dollars <laughs> look at me or or I think it was fifty million I made fifty million dollars yeah. and now you're like wow I could have made a a lot more had I'd have just been a little bit more patient mm-hmm. but I, I guess that's how business goes at times. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. It is January 31st, 2023. 23 years ago today, many of us enjoyed a Rams Super Bowl parade down Market Street in St. Louis. We're going to find out what Carrie's post-Super Bowl experience was like next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
scrambles around, throws it back corner of the end zone. Santonio with a touchdown! Santonio home! I don't know how he did it! Dominique Rogers Cromarty doesn't know how he did it! But they ruled touchdown in the far right corner of the end zone! What a throw! What a catch! What a game! And the Steelers go on to win the Super Bowl in 2009 over the Arizona Cardinals. Great day. Great, great day. There's actually a great photo of you standing. Have you ever seen it? You standing in the confetti? It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, So what was the conclusion like? So you win the game. You are. You've got the confetti. You're in. I just want to get the feel of what it was like for you, as an individual, just to be around and win that Super Bowl. Well, you know there was a there was a review, so we had to wait to see mm-hmm. if Tone actually had both feet down. They called it a touchdown, and there are there are many Arizona Cardinal fans that still disagree that it was a touchdown. You don't like it play better, um, but <laughs> Thank you. It, it, it was a touchdown for us, and um, just the moments after. I remember, so our defense had to go back out. We had to go kick the ball off, obviously. And our job on on all special teams was do not give up anything on special teams. Our defense is elite. They're one of the best defenses in the the NFL, in NFL history. Uh, They went down as one of the best defenses. and, And so our job was to make sure we got the guy on the ground. Got him on the ground and knew that our defense was going to have a chance to stop him. They got a stop. I think Lamar Woodley got a sack to to end it up, to end off the game. And, and so we had to go back out for a kneel down, the, the offense did. And I just remember in tears. And my, my teammate, Willie Cologne, had to grab me, my, my little brother, my little <laughs> big brother, had to grab me and say, hey, come on, we got we to gotta take this knee. And so it was just – just that moment of finishing the game the right way, victory formation, the confetti starting to fall. You know, I go get my, my daughter out of the stands and bring her on the field. My whole family is there. It was just one of the best days sports-wise that I have ever had. And and then the after party, we had Snoop Dogg was our performer. Got to talk to Snoop, got to hang out with Snoop, uh, take pictures with him and watch him perform. It was just one of those things that, you know, you, you, you don't have – it's, it's ingrained in my memory that I'll never forget. You can see that, it right now in your mind's see, eye, right? Yeah, I can see it right now. I can see the whole the whole night, like just everything. I don't know what I did leading up. We were talking to Coach March yesterday, and you, you were thinking, well, what were you doing at this time, mm-hmm. Super Bowl Sunday? I don't know what I was doing leading up to that game because it was almost like every game day was autopilot. Mm-hmm. Like you had your your regimen, your list, your checklist that you went down, whether it was a 1 p.m. or, or an, a, a late game. And so that was our, our my, my checklist. I was going through that. But when the game ended and all of that, you just – I don't know how many text messages I had. I feel like I had over 100 text messages on my phone so cool. when I got to my locker and, and got to see that phone. And it was it was just an amazing time. And then the, 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 the Super Bowl parade was – it was legendary. It, were, there were, it was cold, but I don't think anybody in Pittsburgh worked that day. And I say this, <laughs> if they were at work – they were literally hanging out of the windows from their buildings downtown watching the parade. And so it was It was just a pretty exciting moment. Who were you on a float with? I was on the float with Heinz Ward and uh, Nate Washington. So it was, I got, it's a, I got a video where me and Nate, me and uh, Heinz are talking and laughing about something and Nate is chiming in and we're just on top of that truck just driving through downtown and it was a, an experience to to remember for 
you know, for the rest of your life. And another experience that is just so unique to the the 65 or 66 players and the coaching staff, once the media clears out of the locker room and it's you guys and the Lombardi Trophy, yep. that's just got to be, it, it, it's got to bring chills. It does. It, Coach, Coach Tomlin always said, he, he called it, you know, we're playing, I told you, one of the things we played for were T-shirts and hats. And for that game, it was a T-shirt, it was a hat, and he would say the sticky Lombardi because it's <laughs> sticky. Everybody is kissing it. Everybody's fingerprints are on it. When you get it, you don't, yeah, I mean, nobody cares that everyone, you're going to kiss it. You're going to mm-hmm. hold it, and it is sticky. It's It's got fingerprints and smudges, and everybody's been touching it and passing it around, and that was the moment. We're all sitting in there passing around this trophy, taking our turn with it, our pictures, our turn to kiss it, hold it, and just say, it's, it's just a, a everything coming full circle to finally be able to know you completed the ultimate task. Yeah, and you're a Super Bowl champion forever. That's yeah. the cool thing is you guys – you guys have the rings, yep. and it's a team. Whenever you guys get together, like you did for your 10-year yeah. reunion, it'll be like you were never apart. You did, the stories just come back. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just flow. You start remembering. You start laughing. Uh, you know, the good and the bad. Yeah. Things that, that may not have been funny then. You're like, remember when you <laughs> you, you thought that was going to be okay? And so it's just, it's just the great memories that you have of that group of men that attained a, a, a goal that each one of us on our own – dreamt about as kids and and we didn't know each other as children but as grown men we came together for a common goal and we were able to succeed now carrie you you had snoop yeah i turned the gig down okay, okay. and yeah. that's that's why they had to... yeah I, I did hear that yeah I, I heard about that yeah so it's it's just <laughs> i i i i love you you and you, you know it. i know you've and, been and there i, I love been. the steelers so but here's yeah so they came to me they heard this the, mm-hmm. the steelers the nfl and they said, uh, you know what, uh, Randy, we, we really want you to do it. I think I might have had a show the next day or something, unfortunately. <laughs> I drive these brothers crazy. I do it on the daily. They treat me really nicely. They buy me all these ice. Dolce and Gabbana, Fendi and Madonna. Karen, they be sharing all their money. Got me wearing fly. You can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. Look, mommy got the exit. Uh-oh. Taking in the drugs. Girl, I see you in the my apple out of jeans. Chill on your back. I want to know your name. Go on Twitch. I can blow your brains. Put you in a chameleon. Oh, four range. Just like when you smoke a flame. Jerk you like a chip when you throw that thing. So they came to Rand DMC first. Okay, okay. I, I can see how, you know, they, they they clearly didn't know what they were missing <laughs> I, by going with Snoop. I, I turned it's a poor down. decision. I turned you did. Tell, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Down. Not but enough money. Never asked back again. Never, that, no, no. One and done. <laughs> <laughs> that's Carrie. That's Super Bowl champion, Carrie Davis. What, what great memories and what yeah, great stories. Awesome. Coming up next, Claves is back from the the cruise apparently, and Mike Claiborne, our buddy, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I made my way down to Florida for the Cardinals fantasy camp uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, Mike Claiborne was there. Mike Claiborne actually had a chance to visit with my son, Patrick. And then Mike took off on the Cardinal cruise. And he's back now getting ready for spring training. And our buddy, the great Mike Claiborne, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Carrie and Randy. Michael, how are you doing? 
I am doing well. Uh, I have no real complaints uh, other than last night's hockey game. But, you know, you, you saw some guys last night who thought the All-Star break had already taken place. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. And Kerry and I talked about this earlier. There was a game maybe a month, month and a half ago. It was, I think it might have been the last or second to last game of the eight-game losing streak where the Blues lost to Philly. And I said to Kerry, I said, hey, that's as good as the Blues can play. And they had lost 5-2, I think. And this just, to me, Mike, it, it's not a very good team. No, no. You know, and uh, my high watermark, you know, my, like flag day in baseball is Martin Luther King's birthday. So once you get to that date, then, you know, you know exactly what you have. So we know exactly what we have, and like I tweeted last night, time to blow it up. Yeah. Uh, you don't have you, you guys that say they like each other, but they won't play for each other. And the the, the little things that you see, the lack of detail on, on just fundamental elements of hockey that you're not doing and turning it over in your own end. And really, you know what really disappoints me? This was a golden opportunity for some guys who weren't going to get a lot of playing time, who weren't going to get a lot of playing time to step up and really account for themselves. Mm-hmm. Most of them have failed as well. So I'm not sure what that says about development, but uh, it, it's time to, I won't say rebuild, but certainly reload. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your tweet. You 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 seem like you tweeted that as soon as the game and it blow it up. You, you're tired of seeing it. Um, and, and Claves, when guys aren't playing for each other, it's I don't know if it's a, a mercenary style of, of hockey or, or sports that you're seeing, but it's just not guys giving the effort. Randy was talking about uh, three of the four, four of the forwards are top fifteen in, in plus minus, uh, in minus in the bottom in the yeah. bottom fifteen yeah. for 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 all of the NHL, which I mean that that speaks highly, speaks volumes to why this team is struggling so so badly so poorly. What do they need to do? to play a team game because right now it's almost like everyone is playing for themselves but not playing as a unit. Well, you know, I, I thought that at the beginning of the year you needed just a little bit more sandpaper, a, a guy with a little bit more grit to him where he, he would make guys accountable. And because the Blues don't have anybody who's flat out, I mean, you know, Braden Shen will, will fight and put Bartuzo will fight and, you know, Barbashev will back into a fight. But, I mean, you don't have a lot of guys who are willing to make that sacrifice because everybody wanted to play on the perimeter. You've you got to be better than that. And, you know, it, it's maybe a little bit of roster construction and maybe the fact that we overrated certain people who maybe had career years last year. I, I don't know. But it, it's time to just kind of see what else is out there. I mean, maybe these guys need to change the scenery, and that's fine. They may go somewhere and play really well, okay? So if they do, good for them. But at the end of the day, it, it really is an indictment on who they are where they had to have a change of scenery when it's pretty, it's a pretty easy environment here in St. Louis. Okay, media doesn't climb on you very much. Fans are always supportive. I mean, this isn't like some other cities where they expect more. You know, we just expect an effort, and we're just not getting enough of that right now. Mike Claiborne, one of our favorite dates, and by the way, a lot of players that get a chance to get out of St. Louis before Valentine's Day. They enjoy it, too. It's one of their favorite dates. Spring training is only two weeks away, and the Cardinals are going to go to camp with this group. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and it flew under the radar because I didn't follow up. I want to ask you about it now, that a lot of people in St. Louis just assume that Jack Flaherty wants out of St. Louis ASAP. You're the media member that knows Jack the best. What do you read as his mindset as he heads into the this free agency season? You know, I think for him, 
I don't even think he's really thinking about free agency. I think he's thinking about just going out and pitching and, and let his actions speak for itself. Um, you know, as I told you the other the, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking. He was kind of amused by the fact that he had heard that everybody thinks he wants out of St. Louis and he's supposed to go to L.A. and the whole nine yards. He said, this is the only organization I've ever known. He said, you know, obviously I'd like to be here. He said, but I got to go out and do my job. And I, I think the fact that he's more locked in on pitching compared to where he's going to get his uh, paycheck in 2024, I think is a good sign because, you know, he could pitch himself into a really good boatload of money or he can pitch himself into being a, a, a wandering free agent. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But there's a lot of competition we're going to see this year in spring training. Uh, look, look at the outfield, the, op- the opposition that you're going to see from each guy on that front, and then when you look at the DH situation, I'll give you a name that I'm anxious to see is Paul DeYoung. You know, Paul DeYoung has been, been – I saw Paul the other day. Uh, you know, he's he's been down here basically the whole winter just working out with people in the Cardinal organization compared to working out with his gurus that he was working with in the off season. So I'm anxious to see what he can do because he could he and Juan Yepes could compete for that right-handed DH position. Um, you know, on the left side, you've got a similar situation with Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan. Uh, so I- I'm looking forward to watching this team compete in spring training. And with the WBC, there are going to be some extra bats with some people. And like always, Randy and Kerry, there's going to be a guy that we're not talking about that's going to make this team uh, that we didn't see coming. And, you know, you look back at the Jordan Hickses and uh, Andre Pallante of last year and even Brendan Donovan. You know, he didn't make the ball club out of spring training. So, uh, I, I think we're going to see something along that line. And I'm anxious to see Gomez. Guy hit 39 home runs in the minors, and nobody mentions him. So anybody who hit 39 home runs in the minors, I, I'd like to see him a little longer as well. Hey, Clay, there was an article written a couple of days ago by ESPN uh, writer Bradford Doolittle saying that the Cardinals had the second-best lineup in all of baseball. What are your thoughts on that, and, and how high-powered can this offense be? Boy, that's a that's – a, that's a bold statement. Uh, you know, there's some pretty good lineups out there. Uh, you know, they could be very good. Um, you know, I think we talk a lot about where do you hit Contreras and who's going to protect Goldschmidt and Arnado. I, I think that Oliver Marmo has a lot of different options to play with with regard to that. And I think versatility is what you're looking for in your lineups today uh, because of the fact you've got the DH and you can move people around and look for matchups a little bit more. Um, and, you know, the way the game is going to be changing because of the, the pitch clock. Pitch clock's going to have a huge impact, especially late in the games. So I, they have the potential to be a top-five lineup. Uh, I think I'm going to have to wait and see who's going to plug in certain gaps. And let's face it, I think the lineup really hinges on what your DH situation looks like because I think everyone else um, that we see has a chance to be good. Now, again, I have to include what the outfield is going to look like. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who's going to play. And yeah, I know, I think Lars Newbar is going to get the, the longest look. But I think everybody else is going to be up for grabs. And I'm, I'm going to predict that somebody who was in our lineup last year won't be with us this year. Hey, Clebs, they're, they're, speaking of outfield and, and DH, there's a name that often gets looked over. We talked about adding a left-handed bat all offseason, but there's one on the roster, and that's Alec Burleson. What are your thoughts on him uh, and his potential for this season? Well, you know what, Kerry, I really didn't see him enough. And what I saw, I felt like he was pressing. Uh, I, I like to see him in the big league camp and getting some more at-bats. 
but, you know, he raked in the minors. So, you know, he, that's got to be worth something, at least give you a longer look. But, you know, from what we saw last year, I just thought he was a guy who was pressing. And, and that happens. It's late in the year. You know, your ball club's trying to make postseason and you're trying to contribute. Uh, so I'm anxious to see what he looks like with more at-bats. And now that he's had a taste of the big leagues, you know what it's like. Once you get a taste mm-hmm. of something, you can't wait for camp to start next year. So I'm anxious to see what he looks like. Klaibs, uh, you and I have, uh, we're kind of kindred spirits in wanting young people, whatever their walk of life is, to to do well. And I, I have a, a new top five picture of all time that you sent me with you and Ozzie Smith and my son Patrick down in Florida. And the, the text that you sent me, because I wasn't down there yet, uh, telling me about how he performed were heartwarming and I, I thank you for you you know him you, you've known Patrick for a long time but uh, for taking care of him down there I really do appreciate it well you know what I remember when you brought him home from the hospital so I mean that's how far <laughs> back we go but to watch his growth over the years uh, you and Jones should be very very proud of him I won't call him a young man anymore because he's full grown <laughs> and I, I, I saw him eat so I know he's full grown but uh, you know he, he just he reeks what what you hope you would raise a kid to be as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, he, he's a battler and I'm just so happy and so proud of him and what you and Joe have been able to do for him and give him a, a solid foundation is something that, you know, all parents want to do. Uh, it's harder to do these days, but uh, obviously you were able to get through to him and uh, you should be very proud of. Appreciate that. What do we got right now on Claves online? Well, you know, starting uh, late this week, uh, we'll have Joe, Joe Roderick out at the Super Bowl. Oh, nice. Uh, he'll be there starting this weekend, and uh, he'll be there all next week. We'll have Huddle Up with Howard talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, Alex Ferrario and I will take a look at this NHL thing, along with Kevin Weeks. I'm seeing him, I think it's Thursday, because, you know, the All-Star game is down here in South Florida. So I'm going to be moseying around that place for a little bit during the weekend. And, of course, we have Dr. Rick in the podcast. You know, I'm anxious, and I know they're going to do it today, but, you know, one of the things that I was going to roll out, you know, it's one thing for a pitcher to have a Tommy John issue, the ulnar nerve. I don't know what it, what the impact it would have on a football player because he's throwing something a little heavier than a baseball. So I'm anxious to hear how that thing will unfold. So we'll have a chance to visit with him. And, of course, if you know, uh, Rick Hummel will make his debut here in the next, next couple of weeks as far as his uh, contrib- contributions to plays online but we're gonna go football heavy over the next few days for sure so give me your thoughts on what you saw over the weekend well for me i saw a a, a eagles team that was dominant without even having a great passing attack they they seemed to take the game to this 49ers the way that the 49ers generally take the game to people and then the 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 Bengals and the and the and the Chiefs game. I thought the Bengals would come out of that on on, on top, but unfortunately they didn't. Um, I think a healthy Mahomes in a couple of weeks is going to be a tough task for those Eagles. But I got the Eagles winning that game. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I picked the Eagles at the beginning of the year for some unknown reason. Hmm. Uh, well, I, I like their offensive line and I like Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts was a very underrated player. Uh, coming out of Alabama because he he comes from a, a good family. He he's been coached well from little league all the way up, and he's just a natural leader. Doesn't say a lot, but when he does say something, but you know I, I'll tell you the other thing. The Forty Nineers, I know they did a lot of grousing about how things were going. Hey, you know what? How about investing in a little bit more offensive line? That way you won't get both quarterbacks mm. killed on Sunday. <laughs> I mean yeah. that was that was a that was a turning point. You couldn't block anybody. 
Yeah, and with that running back, once they lost some of their depth, you're exactly right. McCaffrey became kind of a non-factor too, and I guess if you lose, if you've got Josh Johnson at quarterback, it's going to be eight in the box, and you're not going to be able to run the ball anyway. By the way, I think Matthews Dickey is the only team that Josh Johnson hasn't played for. <laughs> I mean, you look at his, you look at his resume, man. Where hasn't he played? Claves, when I saw he was coming into the game, I was like, "What? He's still playing?" <laughs> I had no idea he was on a roster. Another Josh Johnson. <laughs> I knew I knew who it was. I just didn't know he was still playing. Man, I, I was like, "Holy cow!" So, I mean. You know what, and that's the sad thing about the game, and maybe the reason why they went with him, because he'd been in the camp long enough where he knew the system compared to going out on the street and finding somebody, but holy smokes. And Cincinnati, you know, I felt bad for the guy who got the penalty. But you know what, you know, I'll tell you, and I give Tony Romo credit for one thing. He First of all, apparently he's getting paid by the word, which is, what, mm-hmm. $17 million a year, so he was giving you $17 million worth the other day. <laughs> But when he pointed out when Spagnolo flipped those defensive ends and that tackle was having problems at the beginning of the game, number 77, his name escapes me. When they flipped him to the other side and he came up with the sack, I thought that was a turning point. I mean, because it made Cincinnati have to rethink everything. Yeah, and one thing about Spags, he can find a way to manufacture a pass rush. He might not have been the best head coach, but whether it was against Brady, he finds a, a great weak spot of the quarterback and finds a way to manufacture a pass rush and was able to accomplish that on Sunday. Claims, I always you know, love – go ahead. I was just going to say uh, real quick, when is the NFL going to start having a, a section for assistant coaches? Oh, yeah. I mean, because those guys have more impact on the game than the head coach, in my opinion. Agreed. So, anyway, all right, boys, I know you got to run. Uh, we will chop it up again next week, and uh, hopefully I'll tell you that the grass is still green down here or not. <laughs> Sounds great, Claves. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. Take care. See you. That's our friend Mike Claiborne. We love him. And uh, he is uh, one of the all-time great St. Louis sports guys. Next up, the Billikens will take on Fordham tonight, even without Fred Thatch. Have they figured things out? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. We're here till 11 today because... T-Mac and Ajax are, uh, on, well, they're not really on vacation. Yeah, they're on vacation in Jamaica. If you go to Jamaica, uh, by definition, if you're an American who travels to Jamaica, you are on vacation. Well, I- I'm looking at Ryder through the glass and just trying to see if he understands that we're working in there in Jamaica. I just, it's cold here, Ryder. I just wanted you to know that. We're, we're working hard, though, buddy. We always are. We're gonna we're gonna do our job to the yep. best of our abilities. You but worn out. I, I I think Randy and Rock. I I think. Now I am not again. I'm not the brightest person in in the room or in the world. But I think we could be better suited at doing our jobs if we were in Jamaica too. If we had a comfort level, yeah. Yeah, I no. mean, you know, there's something about the the, the warmth, the yeah. beach, the the sand, the the, the 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 water. You can't you can't broadcast live from Jamaica on this station. There's something there's something uh, with the oh, wires and stuff. I think okay. is that what it is? So maybe Jupiter, Florida. Oh, I mean that doesn't. <laughs> Florida sounds good too. All right, right now the Billikens, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, are hot. 
The Billikens have won seven of their last eight. They're 15 and six overall. They're seven and one in the A10. And talking to Coach Ford and and uh, Chris May a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of being one of the top two teams and getting the double buy. Because the Billikens had given up their chance to get quality wins during the course of the season. CD, here they are. They've won six in a row. And mm-hmm. if they can keep things going, they have they kind of should win their conference now. And they should get the regular season title. Mm-hmm. They should get the double bye. And one thing that I always thought, even though they were struggling in the non-conference season, was that they had the ability to go in and win the A-10 conference. I kind of expect them to do so now and forge a spot in the NCAA tournament. What What are you seeing from them that is, I guess, maybe turned the corner? They 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 struggled early on in some games. I, I was at the Evansville game where it was kind of like they were sleepwalking a little bit up until halftime and a little bit past that. There have been times throughout the season where – they haven't, you know, shown up in a manner in which you think that they should and, and dominate in the manner in which you think that they should. But what is it that you, you've you seen from them that is that has given you hope that potentially, you know, win the division and maybe make a make a playoff, a tournament berth? Here's a couple of things. Number one, if you look at their last few games before the conference season started, they allowed 72 points to Southern Illinois. Won the game, but they allowed 72 uh, they lo- allowed 84 at Iona. Mm-hmm. They allowed 75 in a win here against Drake. That was a pretty fortunate win. They allowed 78 in a win against St. Joseph's. They allowed 90 uh, in their opener uh, or, or in their uh, in their game at UMass. You look now, and since they got rolling. They've allowed 55, they've allowed 62, they've allowed 74, 59. They did win in a game 84-71 against LaSalle, and then they allowed 70. Their defense appears, even though Fred Thatch is out and he's a really good defensive player, their defense appears to have picked it up a notch. Mm -hmm. And the other part that I had difficulty with during the non-conference season was their inability to close games out. And something has happened mentally for them that has clicked And if they have a second-half lead now, or even if they're behind in the last 10 minutes of a game, they're more fierce for whatever reason. Have free throws, the the, the free throw issue, has that been resolved, or or are we still struggling at times? Because when you get to those games, especially in in conference tournaments or or in in the tournament tournament, Hitting your free throws in, in crucial moments late in games is what's going to win or lose a game for you. They actually haven't been great um, in the mi- the middle three wins of this of the six game win streak. They had they were shooting in the sixty lo- the low sixties uh, from the stripe. It hasn't bitten them yet, and that was the thing. Going into some of those bad losses, they were a top free throw shooting team in the country, and they just had huge bad, you know, variable mm-hmm. days that made them lose games. And so they've actually been able to survive a couple not-so-great ones. But on the defensive side, that's been the big one. They've been cutting down on teams' threes. You know, teams were, teams were shooting 34%. Um, they're now they're shooting about 30%. They've cut down on the amount of times they're letting teams get to the line. Yuri's defense has been markedly improved since Fred since Fred got mm-hmm. injured. Sincere Parker, Gibson, Jimerson are giving a lot more effort, even if sometimes they still get beat. And then I think the biggest thing has to, I think, be the play of like a guy like Francis Okoro. The 
no fives. Doubt. Jake Forrester as well. The fives have been so much better. And then on the on the other side, on the offensive side, it's it's been shooting 100%. We, we talked about the beginning of the year about how they were down and it, it wasn't what you expected. They were shooting 32% from three-point land their first 15 games. Across a six-game winning streak, they're hitting 42%. That's the big difference right now. It's Javante Perkins and Gibson Jimerson hitting shots. Yeah, and going back to the free throw percentage, it's it's kind of weird because it's timely mm-hmm. and clutch. They're they're hitting seventy three percent, which in, as a college team in basketball now you can kind of live with seventy three percent, right? But there were so many games during the non conference season where, for whatever reason, the free throw shooting would go away down the stretch, yeah. and now it seems to be there. When they have a chance to win a game, they're hitting their free throws late. Well, that's the that's the the biggest issue. If you're not hitting, if you're not hitting them. And you're winning games, it can kind of give you a false sense of hope and, and believe that, oh, we're still good. Because when you play better teams, as you do when you advance in tournaments, whether it's the, the A-10 tournament or the, the NCAA tournament, you're going to play better teams. And those those crucial points at the line where the clock is stopped, where no one is challenging you on that shot, if you're not able to hit those, you're not going to win those games. So making sure that you're locking in on that, playing sound defensively and and hitting your shots when you are when you're open – that, those are recipes for for success and for winning. So they're at Fordham tonight. Friday night they've got VCU at the Chaffetz uh, Arena, and there are still tickets available for that game. By the way, that's an ESPN2 game as well, but that'll be a huge one. And then on February 7th, they have Rhode Island here at Chaffetz, and then they go to Dayton, beat Dayton. That's Dayton's always going to be tough, especially on their floor. You like that? I, I do like that. I actually have I have a, a neat little Dayton uh, factoid about that comes with the basketball rivalry for rock and roll. Okay, good. And my, my point here, and I'm not going to go down the whole schedule, but they needed to win in the A-10, and every single game that they have left, home and road, is a winnable game for St. Louis University. By the way, Dayton 6-3 and three in the conference, 14-8 and eight overall, but the Billikens seem to be... The best team in the A-10. Kerry, Randy, coming up, Panger on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. St. Louis Blues are off now for 11 days after their 4-2 loss last night at Winnipeg. Darren Pang is not off from broadcasting duties, though. He's got the Hurricanes at Buffalo tomorrow, and that'll be fun. The Hurricanes, one of the best teams in the league in Buffalo, one of the most enjoyable teams to watch. We'll talk about them in a moment because Darren Pang joins us, as he does every Tuesday on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Panger. How you doing? I'm doing, you know, I'm doing fine. Uh, Randy, how are you guys doing? I'm, you know, like everybody else, I think a little discouraged with uh, with how uh, how it's gone by and kind of hopeful that they'd, you know, come up with some wins and, and climb back into it before the break, but not to be right now. So I think there'll be some, you know, some major kind of self-motivation and restructuring going on when, this, when these guys come back from this break a little bit. Panger, we try to, because... 
there, I have a tremendous amount of respect for everybody that makes it to every single league. But last night, one of your keys to the game at the beginning of the game on Bally Sports was commit to competitiveness, which to me means commit to trying hard for 60 minutes. And I, I just didn't see it. I, uh, and, and I'm not, I, I'm just going to throw a blanket over the, the whole group. The group needs to try harder. I, well, that's that's why I, you know, I fired that in because I, I really liked what happened in that third period in Colorado. I, you know, they almost, you know, had enough for only 20 minutes to come back and win a hockey game against a really good team, and and uh, they put some scare into them. They put them on their heels, and you know that's why I, I I truly believe that if this were different and the Blues were into the you know in a playoff, you know, close to the whether it be the you know um, wild card one or wild card two or they would they would scare the daylights out of anybody because that's the kind of play that scares other teams. So yeah, being more competitive, being ready to play, being ready on time, uh, those are just all all essential ingredients to to winning in this league. And you know, can you get away with it in in October and November? Yeah, but you know, once you get into that late November, you know, December, January, other teams are finding their way. They're finding their 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 work ethic and their commitment and you know the, the the really the guy that was a hard hard competitive player last night was the goalie mm-hmm. i mean if yeah, yeah let's face it if not for jordan binnington or you know a couple of those power plays and uh you know he was that that game was over early so he's uh he is stuck with it he deserves a lot of credit and uh i was hopeful that the players would you know get her together late and at least get him a get him a win because he certainly deserved that. Hey, Fanger, with you being so close to the team, how frustrating is it for you uh, when you're watching them play and perform and it's not their best? You know what, Kerry? It, yeah, it is. I mean, certainly there's – I mean, you have relationships. You have not just with the players but, you know, with the city and with their families, um, you, know, with, uh, you know, with friends that watch them play all the time. So there's a – you know, there is a connection. I found that, uh, you know, uh, this is my 14th year here, and, and I found that, especially when you started seeing the, the dads on the trips and the mums on the trips, and you really started to meet the, you know, the families of the players, then you feel this real, you know, you feel this real connection, and you you feel bad when they don't play well, because, I mean, quite frankly, you, you can't lie and say that they're playing well. I mean, <laughs> they know they're not playing well if they're not playing well, or, you know, their family and friends know they're not playing well if they're not playing well, and uh, fans in St. Louis know that, so you can't just sit there and and, and blow by it and lie. But you know you don't want to you don't want to beat them beat them up severely because you 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 know you 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 know that you know you're trying to pump them up too, just not only on you know on the air, but you're trying to give them a little bit of life. You're trying to inject some some confidence in them too when you see them. So it is you know it's disappointing. I I, I find now that you know you look at some players, you, you get on the whether it's around the rink, you're in the locker room, and you know when things are going well, guys are up, their chests are up, they're talking to you, they're you know they're full of life. And then when things aren't going well, for one game they're okay, and two games it's all oh, boats tough. But you know when it's not going well and everybody knows it, then you know by and large they look around and they'll they'll either not look at you very long, or they'll or they might come up to you and say like, "What are you seeing?" And that's when you know the confidence is low and. And you know the, the the team camaraderie is down when when you know that they're saying, "What are you seeing out there? What is what is going on?" 
and and I think I'm seeing more of that right now than I than I am anything else. And I feel bad for them. Hey, Panger, Jeremy Rutherford has a poll of Blues fans up at theAthletic.com, and one of the names that's brought up is Jim Montgomery. And the Blues were in a really fortunate situation to have Monty, right, because of the mm-hmm. way he left Dallas, and he is one of the best coaches in the league, maybe one of the best coaches in the world who has the runaway President's Trophy winners. But just leaving that out of it, when you lose a talent like a coach like Jimmy Montgomery, what sort of an effect do you think that's had on this team, if any at all? Oh, for sure. I, I, I think that's significant. I mean, you know, you're not asking somebody to come in and, and, and replace, you know, Monty. And um, he, he's, he's just he's good at what he does. He's, he's, he's very detailed on the defensive side of the puck. He's, he's, he's uh, very, very good on the penalty kill. Um, he's, he's a sharp guy. And, and he, you know, he's, he has an ability uh, to talk to players one-on-one and keep their spirits up, but yet challenge them. So, no, there's a reason why the Boston Bruins, who had 100 and cheapers, did they have 105 points last 105 points last year, fired their coach, who's one of the most successful coaches in, in Bruins history, and and brought in Monty. I mean, so that tells you how, how good he is, and, and he's doing a great job. So, so. You know, I think there was an adjustment certainly early on, especially with the penalty kill, and that was that didn't get the Blues started very well. Uh, you know, but it has been resurrected, and the penalty kill has been much improved, and they have made the changes. But all in all, you're right. I mean, you're uh, you're missing a really good man, a fun guy to be around. And, uh, and a sharp guy when it comes to hockey and a positive guy when it comes to being with the players. And by the way, the Ruins have lost three in a row, so he's probably getting ripped on Boston Sports Radio today. Yep, see, there you go. <laughs> the, the best coach just went to the worst coach in the world. Yeah, I mean, he didn't ask his players to, to turn the puck over at the, at the blue line. The, the players just got a little tired for, for finally for those, for those Bruins players. They've been on a roll like you read about them. Hey, Panger, the Blues have four players in the bottom ten of, of plus minus in all of hockey forwards. Four, well, no, I, I, four, yeah, okay, Krug as well. So oh, yeah, right. four Got players it. total in all of hockey out of seven hundred and forty-two players. How how do how do you recognize that in your brain? Does that does that mean anything to you, or is it? Do you just look at that number and say it doesn't mean much? Oh no, it it always means something for sure. Um, but I but I will say this too, Kerry, that um, in one of the 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 oddest. Um, ways of doing plus minus all the skill players that are on that board including Krug are, are the guys that are on the ice when you pull the goaltender for the extra mm-hmm. man I got you. so I, I I think that's 11 empty net goals against and you know so your top those top players get tagged on for an extra 11 but that doesn't make it any better that that's still a, a hefty plus minus anyway on the minus side uh, carry and I, I I will say this that you know, when any team in the NHL is, is, is winning, it's not by accident. It's, it's that they're buying into the system, that they're back-checking like crazy. Um, they're, they're placing pucks in areas, and I'll give you an example. So let's say a defenseman like Tory Crew gets a, gets a minus. He's about to go for a line change, and this is just puck management. This is simple hockey 101. This happened in Colorado. He's about to go for a line change. He's been on the ice for a minute and 20 seconds. The forward has the puck, and the forward is four inches from the red line, center ice. The forward's job is to get the puck in deep, like deep, deep, so that the defenseman can change. But the forward decides to dipsy-doodle, gets the puck turned over. The defenseman that's 
14 feet from the bench that should be off the ice by now, has to curl and get back into his own zone, and now he's hemmed in for another minute. Okay, so the puck goes in the net, and he gets a minus. At the end of the day, analytics don't tell you who had the puck at the red line, who was dipsy-doodling and should have got the puck in deep, does it? <laughs> and, and so that's where this team has, has failed in team management and commitment to the other, team, uh, other players on your team. Good line changes, smart puck placement, all the things that really good teams do. I'm reminded every single day what Alexander Steen brought to the St. Louis Blues and being close to the bench, listening to him bark, bark out orders in a good way, tell players that that's a bad line change, uh, make sure that they're accountable for some of those things that put their other teammates or line mates in a bad spot. And to me, I mean, that's the signature way of winning, and that is what has been missing, in my opinion. So uh, that to, if that kind of breaks it down a little bit, it's mm-hmm. not everything, but it certainly has been, by and large, a product of so many minus plays and such poor you know, decisions with the puck, just getting it into over the line and getting it deep. It seems simple, but it hasn't been that simple. It has been excruciatingly difficult to get that through some of the players and, and to do things like that. Hey, Panger, we, we were talking earlier that Jordan Bennington is probably the MVP of this team. If you are a, a goalie in, in, in his situation right now, how frustrated are you? Uh, you get a turnover in your own zone, they score a goal, and then you know, not even 20 seconds later you get a puck going off of your teammate's skate or his foot, uh, and that goes in. Some of these things are out of his control. How frustrated do you become when you're in that situation and, the, and you may feel like you're not getting the help that you need from your teammates? I mean, for sure it is. I, I mean, you know, the one thing you got to keep telling yourself is you, you know, you chose a team sport when you were a kid. <laughs> you know, Panger, my mom used to have to tell me that all the time when I was 10, 11 years old. I was, it was, it was hard for me to lose games. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, and you, you know, the last thing you want to do is be that guy that puts your arms up and, you know, blames everybody else because, you know, you're hoping at the end of the day that they're trying as well. And sometimes you give up a bad goal and, you know, you hope that they don't put up their arms and look at you and give you that stare like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, I had my man, but I, <laughs> I, but frustrating for sure because, you know, even when it was one nothing with Neighbors made a great play and Tory Krug made a phenomenal pass uh, to Neighbors. And then Alexandrov, you know, that's get, they get a bonus right there, you know, but to give up, you know, two goals in 21 seconds, again, to, to weather that storm quickly um, is, is something that, it's happening around the NHL a lot, and and players, you know, it doesn't they they don't seem to have that defending mentality right away uh, as soon as a, the other team scores a goal. So, I mean, it was a hard. It was kind of like an avalanche coming downhill. You, we could feel it in the rink, and you could feel the energy. And their players were starting to pump up the crowd. The crowd was starting to get going because they'd lost what three or four in a row as well, and uh, were shut out in their last game on home ice. So. Not like they've been going through great things. They were, but they fixed it. They corrected in in seven minutes. They corrected last night's game. And you know, Jordan Bennington, yeah, he deserved to be frustrated for sure. He did everything he could to to win that hockey game. Hey, Panger, one last thing we mentioned at the outset of this interview that you've got Buffalo and Carolina. I, I listen to NHL Network Radio. I watch NHL Network, and I kind of think that Carolina is the most uh, under the radar, really good team in the league. I, I, am I correct there? You are absolutely correct. That is a well-oiled machine, a well-coached machine. They, they, they play with speed. I think they play with integrity. I, I, they've got, uh, especially when, when Freddie Anderson is, is healthy, 
They've got uh, they've got a, a goaltender that can that can win and maybe win it all. Uh, they're de move the puck up the ice. Yeah, nope. They're you know that's they're good. They're really good. They're well structured. They play hard. They play fast. I'm 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 excited for the game because you know the you know as, as everybody's getting prepared for the for for the break. You know, there's like last night was the lone game on on the schedule. And so you get excited for those games because people are watching those games. And for uh, for that game on Wednesday on TNT, I'm I'm pumped up. I like I love watching Buffalo. That's a, I think this is going to be my fifth or sixth game doing the Buffalo Sabers this year at ice level. And uh, <laughs> none of them none of them have disappointed. So I, I think it's going to be a heck of a game on Wednesday. Hey, what's it like for you to look up at Tage Thompson? Oh yeah, it's, it's a, I've, I've hurt my neck. I've got a neck problem right now. <laughs> Panger, enjoy your break. We always love having you on. Thanks so much for the time and to safe travels. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Have a good week. You too. Take care, Darren Pang. Blues analyst with us on 101 ESPN, a guy who lays it out there. He's honest. He's a great observer. One of the best analysts in hockey, and he just gave us the the scoop. He definitely does give you the the honest answers. And if, if playing goalie, that's why I wanted to ask: if you're Jordan Bennington, how do you avoid that frustration? He hit the nail on the head. You you, you decided to play a team sport. My mother used to have to tell me that after pretty much every baseball game. Mm-hmm. She said, if you don't like it, go run track, play tennis, <laughs> pick up golf. You can't be this way every time you lose a game. And I, <laughs> you start to learn how to lose as a kid, but yeah. you, you never really like it. Says the guy who yelled at Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger for throwing the ball to Eve Miller. Throw it in the flat, man. I'm the first read. Do not do that again. I, I snapped. <laughs> Terry, Randy, coming up rock and roll on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. The Cardinals have announced that if you want to buy purchase uh, tickets for three or more games. You can buy tickets starting tomorrow at cardinals.com. Single game tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 o'clock. Tickets starting as low as $6 for Cardinals games in 2023. Multi-game and single game on sale uh, at cardinals.com. Tickets for Friday's single game on sale will be available via phone at 314-345-9000 and at the Bush Stadium Ticket office. So uh, one of the things about the Cardinals, you know, they, yes, they do finish very high up in attendance every year. But you're starting the season. Here you are a couple of months before the season starts with $6 tickets. Can't beat that. Yeah, not many other teams. You're, that's not happening with the Mets or the Dodgers yeah. or the Cubs. $20 gets your family of four to a baseball game. Yeah, now, you're going to have to buy some food when you get there. And you're going to have to pay for parking. Or... Just eat before you go. Or you can bring a soft side cooler into Bush Stadium, load up with some subs. There some you go. Chips. Do yep. that. You keep make sure that you don't open the drinks, bottled water. Sounds so, like a it sounds like a plan to me, Randy. Save some money. Yep. All right, time for rock and roll. What do you got, Rock? Randy, I wanted to throw this out. We were talking about the Billikins earlier this hour, and I mentioned that I had a little a fun little tidbit about the the coming up Arch Baron Cup rivalry. Well, it was interesting because the votes came out for the current AP Top Twenty Five poll, and somebody gave the Billikins a vote for the AP Top Twenty Five, mm-hmm. and it was the Dayton writer. Oh, and so interesting. the Billikins fans all immediately saw that and went, 
this guy's trying to reverse jinx this whole situation. He's trying yeah. to get a jinx in on the Dayton Billikens Arch Baron Cup game weeks in advance by trying to plant a top 25 vote for the Billikens. Chestnut checkers. That's, it, that's all it is. <laughs> They got two coaches votes as well. They are they are on they are ascending yes. in the correct direction. Maybe maybe this writer for for Dayton felt that the Billikens were deserving of this vote. Maybe it's not. See, here, here's the reverse psychology. They they get you to thinking about it so much, mm-hmm. and now you're I'm wondering: now you're like, oh, Are you doing that? Team. Are you are you are you doing that because you're you're, you're you really believe? Or are you doing that to try to mess with me? Oh, you're doing it. I know that you know that I know that. There you, you know. go. Exactly. Oh, and now okay. I'm now I don't know anything. See, I thought it was I know that you know, but you're saying. But it's no one knows. Levels. Okay. Yeah, no one knows. I got you. Yeah. Fair fair that's where we are. Oh, by the way, <laughs> we should note that uh, the University of Missouri Tigers. Are number twenty six. Oh, hey, where's Illinois? It went poorly when they uh, last got ranked. Twenty seven, twenty eight. Told you that We're top twenty five in the I coaches. S- I said in the updates, oh. the, the Illini are killing it right now in January. So they, they hope they we, keep on rolling. We get to play Purdue at the end of the year and get to well, ruin that's, their. Yeah, that's gonna be rough. Their, uh, nah, nah, nah. We, we don't. Purdue only has one <laughs> loss right now. We'll, we'll make it too. Not a problem. <laughs> By the way, we just got a text read. It says six dollar tickets are a gateway drug to me spending a hundred dollars on beer. No question. You're going to spend money now. You just, hey, you just broke down you, the, you're gonna the entire get in. system, my friend. <laughs> you're going to get in for a low amount, but you're going to spend when you get in there. That's just that's how, how, how the economics of it you all You don't work. have to. You don't have to, Randy, but who goes to a baseball game and sits there for two and a half, three hours and doesn't purchase a beer or doesn't purchase a hot dog or doesn't purchase a, a pretzel or burger or peanuts or a Coke, a cola, the, it's all but at least it's ice six. cream, the and dipping it's, dots. It's not 26 to get in. This it's is six to get in. And, and, and it's, as he said, as this texter said, it's a gateway to mm-hmm. lead you to other things. Yeah. This is a brand new story that's actually just hit ESPN. Bulletin, at 1032, Jamison Hensley and Michael DeRocco reporting on ESPN that the Baltimore Ravens are sending a quarterback to the Pro Bowl this year. Hmm. Tyler Huntley wow. will now be a Pro Bowl quarterback. He is the fourth alternate now replacing Josh Allen and he will officially become the lowest amount of TDs thrown by a Pro Bowl quarterback ever. He threw two this year. This is why when Kerry brought up Pro Bowl selections for a player after the year 2010, I was like, we still we still have like those matter? Let me tell you why it matters. Because when Tyler Hundley goes to re-sign, <laughs> no! I guarantee you he's going to say Pro Bowl quarterback. No one cares that 14 people dropped out prior to him being a Pro Bowler. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I was in the Pro Bowl. It doesn't matter that it's not a real Pro Bowl game <laughs> it's anymore. Really not now it's a flag football game. My now. name attached to the Pro Bowl is all that matters. And so at the end of the day, if I have it and you don't, then I deserve more money, correct? Correct. This is simple, simple math. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for him. As you should this be. I'm happy for him, too. Anytime we have a debate about football and people try to bring up Pro Bowls, and there's a certain year where I'm just it like, are we, are we really going to use that it, as the deciding it, factor? It, it matter. If it didn't matter, so the NBA, they have the, the all-NBA teams, right? And if you don't make an all-NBA team, some people's contracts yeah, that's determine dumb. That's dumb. Based, on, based on all in, So all of it matters. It's money associated with it. I had a teammate. Well, not a teammate. I had a friend who brought up a really good point. Uh, 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 one of the guys I was coaching with over the week. And they mentioned, if you want to get the Pro Bowl back to being the Pro Bowl, offer the players the gate and all the concessions. And I guarantee you, it would be a blood sport. 
They would be playing <laughs> to win the game. I don't think the NFL. If wants you get that. They, they, exactly, that's how you know it's not. It's not about. It's not about the game. It's about money for the NFL. But if you want the NFL to get the Pro Bowl back to being the Pro Bowl, give them some money. Also, Rogers. give them the gate and all concessions. Winner take all. And I am. I will. I will say it here. I will say it now. It would be a blood sport, and they would be tackling. You know, when Sean Taylor hit that punter, yep. every play would look like that. That's a, that, that's a lot of money. Show, show, show Brian Mormon some respect. Brian Mormon was not going to get any respect. Remember he got, his he got, name? I didn't know his name. I, I for, it didn't matter. He, Do you think Jacoby Brissett was offered a starting spot in the in the Pro Bowl? Yeah, he would. He should have taken it if he was. Yeah, I mean, because you've got Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. Lawrence and Huntley. Burrow not going? I guess not. And Mahomes obviously isn't. So uh, Lawrence was a replacement for Mahomes. Uh, Huntley a replacement for Allen. I wonder if they offered a spot to Brissett. He should be there ahead of Huntley, right? He played I, more I, games. I would think so, yes. It's, um, it's honestly insane to me. Tannehill was hurt. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was better than Tyler Huntley. Speaking of uh, football alternates, by the way, congratulations to Roger Saffold, who is now officially a two-time Pro Bowler. There you go. And guess what he's going to have on his resume? A retired? No. Oh. Pro Bowl. Okay. Yeah, two-time retired, two-time Pro Bowl. Yeah, whatever. Is he retired? What? You think I, think, I think he is. He's been he's been talking for a while about how much how broken down his body he's is. He's going to have Pro Bowl on his resume. Yeah, so he's going to sign one more contract. Two times. He's going to sign one more contract. Hey, man, listen. I, I don't care how you got there. I don't care. I don't care who 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 opted out and you made it. It doesn't matter to me. You're there. I, I was hoping. I was a two time alternate. I was like, hey, any of you guys want to sit on out this one? Nah, I'll go. Not a problem. Fair it's enough. A nice career. Fair enough. One more Seth thing is. here, guys. On Saturday, Max Homa, one of the best stories in golf right mm-hmm. now, with with his turnaround, won the Farmers Open and 1.5 million dollars on Saturday. So on Monday. He decided to uh, win a local municipal event and four hundred dollars in a skins game. <laughs> Would you at any point win a one point five million dollars playing a sport on a Saturday and be playing that sport casually for four hundred on Monday? When you when you are have the desire to be excellent and win that, uh, so what's worse, winning the four hundred dollars in that game or actually losing after winning one point mm. five million? It it would have to be worse if you lost, right? Man, you got to save you got to save as many rounds as you can for, nah. for to time this out. You're on a run right now. You can't just be wasting rounds for 400 bucks. You go beat people down when you can. You got, why you, not? You got to time it right. So this 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 whole run of yours ends right after the Masters. Here's why you beat people down when you have the opportunity because there are people that are talking crap on that golf course. You're not that good. Mm-hmm. I could do what you do, and then you just could miss the getting. Beating people down on the golf course, you yeah. you beat them up. It's not even close, and you just don't you don't say anything. You just walk past them like how you looked at me when we when you went into the fight earlier. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, remember that's Michael's done that. There's videos of Michael in pickup games where people say, "Yeah, I could take you," and then Michael says, "Man, <laughs> no, let's pump the brakes on this," and then he it's six it to him. Yeah, that's how well, you it, should do. If you if you're competitive, you're competitive. That's you what it comes down. You don't to. take any days off. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. We've got What's on Tap heading into BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We've got BK and Ferrario coming up here on 101 ESPN. And we've got a lot of things on the 101 mobile app. First of all, our podcast, if you'd like to listen to anything that we brought you today, Darren Pang uh, joined us earlier, Mike Claiborne. You can listen to everything on the app, and it's brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. But right now, if you get to the 101 mobile app, you can get Metallica tickets, Adam Sandler tickets, a Massage Lux gift card, an Amazon gift card, St. Louis Golf Expo tickets. That's coming up this weekend. Nickelback. I know a lot of you love, love, love Nickelback. Text line is open for those of you that love, love, love Nickelback, by the way. 314-399-9646. They also have a 101 ESPN prize packs and blues tickets. So all kinds of stuff available on the 101 app. We are not eligible to win. Well, that's unfortunate. A lot of cool stuff. I mean, there's plenty of things up there that one could use. Amazon gift card, uh, St. Louis Golf Expo, uh, Never, never been to a Metallica concert. But I for one know that Carrie loves Nickelback, so that uh, that well, one's really bumming him uh, out. What songs do they have? I don't uh, know. I don't know. Um, Adam Sandler tickets. I I, I wonder. Have, have you either of you seen him in? I never have stand up seen him. And apparently, there's music involved too. Really? Yeah, I I, I was. Is it not that was just like a the first. Those were like the first ever SNLs I ever like saw. Mm-hmm. Were were you know him him doing his kind of comedy on it. so like yeah that that kind of sing songy comedy he does I've had the the lunch lady song stuck in my head for about twenty five years now. Do you guys think that his movies pretty much reached the a same? point where yeah every character was the same? <laughs> yeah, he, 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 sorry, what I'm I do sorry, I'm sorry reached a point. What I yeah. do appreciate about Adam Sandler is that he keeps his people his guys involved mm-hmm. in, in many it. of the same movies and you know if nothing else he's going to make sure his people are working. And when you are a star, the superstar, it, I don't know that it's your responsibility, but it is good faith, a good character of you to to keep your guys involved in, mm-hmm. in what you're working on. Yeah. I'm intrigued by what he'll bring to the stage, and he's just such a popular, huge celebrity. He is. I think that it'd be worth it to go on the 101 app and see if you can get the tickets. Well, maybe we can get him here. How about that? Maybe we can. Can we work can on we, that? Can we work on getting him live in studio? That would be Absolutely amazing. Can we do that, Rock? Oh, you send him a, I mean, listen, you miss 100% of the shots the, you don't the, take. The last time they hit Adam Sandler was on this station, we got him on by offering up World Series tickets. Well, so just, uh, I'm just for to, future I'm reference. to replicate that out of the goodness of my heart. Whenever the Cardinals make it to the World Series, well, here we go. This text from the 636, Rocky has said it before and he is spot on. All these people hating on Nickelback are turning up their radio when their songs come on. I need to hear a Nickelback song. Did you just what? I don't know. I don't know any. I, I maybe I know it if I hear it, but I don't know any. There, yeah. There's a few the that you my know. Ah. The, you, when you hear them, you'll know them. Yeah. I don't get the hate either. It's. it's I would people like Nickelback. Would I download a song? No. Autograph. Autograph's the famous yeah. one. They boy band group. Boy no, group, they're group. they kind of sound like Daughtry. Autograph, that's it. Daughtry. Yeah, they, he was an American Idol guy. Oh no! Can you, not, not can you find one? Can, can you just yeah. get us one song, one Nickelback song, so the so so the CD can give me one that I, that I would know because yeah, I, I maybe I'll the, start singing it and then people will see a different side of yeah. me. You'll know the guy's voice. Okay, uh, they show up like at sporting events. They're big. Well, Nickelback, right? They're, right. they're named after a sports term, and that's like the one from like the early 2000s that everyone yeah. remembered. No, no, don't know that one. Okay. No. 
So <laughs> yeah, I could get Backstreet Boys. I would probably know, yeah, okay. and that bye bye bye, yeah, yeah. bye bye bye. Yeah, yeah, Backstreet Boys are better and more prolific okay. than these guys. So anyway, you can get those tickets on the 101 ESPN app. You got one more? Or you want to just uh, yes. pack it in here? Uh, we're going to get one more here, All right, let's just see so that you got. can hear. It. Be camper. I really am. To say sorry. Yeah, I know that one. Okay, okay, yeah, there we go. Sorry. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I so, know that one. Anyway, so uh, you can get Nickelback tickets at uh, the 101 ESPN app. Okay. Hmm. A great job today by our producer engineer, especially at the end of the show here, Matthew Rocchio, just rocking and rolling. Pleasure. Uh, CD, this has been great. My man. My man. Sometimes I'm not always ready to audio. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you asked me to get stuff on YouTube. I'm, Adam, I'm, I'm trying to pull an Adam Sandler clip that, that, I, that I wanted to play. It was okay. all happening at once. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. By the way, Ask Uncle Randy Day. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.